Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome back to the Car Chat Podcast and today I have Peter Greaves, aka Petrol Ped, um, with me. Hello, Hello people. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first time we've actually met. It is, I yeah. come across you on the internet making videos. Don't you find it... Oh that, no. That'll be Mike. <laughs> Don't worry, that's all good. It wasn't filming anyway, that's fine. Don't you find it weird though, you follow people online and you think you know them but you've never met them before? Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. Although... What it does allow you is when you finally talk to someone on the phone, like yeah. when you called me earlier just to arrange some logistics, mm. and I was like, well, I know exactly who this voice is. That you're like, oh, hello, hey, how are you <laughs> yeah, doing? It's not some, like, oh, yeah, it's not, not some that weird voice. ringing up you've never spoken to before. <laughs> but it is, it is odd that, and I think definitely people, do people come up to you and sort of feel like they already know you? Have you had that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's weird. I can't, probably need to start this by, I'm not the biggest youtuber social media thing but yeah, you don't need to be that big for people to recognize you i got first recognized after I'd, i had about 500 subscribers and someone mm. came up to me at festival of speed and went oh you're petroped <laughs> but it is weird and the, the thing that is very weird is i've got a really active kind of set of followers that i reply to all the comments and discuss stuff within the comments section so i know them by their their handle on youtube or facebook or instagram so yeah. when they come up and say hello you just have to say which one are you <laughs> Yeah. and then put faces to names but it is very weird it is it is odd and then some people introduce themselves as their their handle yeah or on that that's i think that sort of almost harks back to like forum days yeah i'm so and so and so and you're like yeah but like what's your name yeah like, i'm sam <laughs> yeah you are I'm, yeah, tom I'm Peter, or yeah. so you're on social media on instagram you're petrol paired and is, is that petrol paired one word uh, petrol underscore paired and it's the same on Instagram. Uh, that's on Instagram. Twitter's petrol underscore ped. Facebook's petrol ped. And uh, YouTube's petrol ped. And what, why petrol ped? Um, well, I needed to name my YouTube channel something. And yeah. I can remember driving. I can't remember where I was driving. But when I made the decision to start YouTube, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about the, the drivers for that, I thought, I need a channel name. I'm Peter, but since I was about five, my family have called me Pedro. Okay. My brother was in the army. He came home from leave one weekend with a Spanish mate. And, and the second he met me, he went, hey, Pedro. And, and that was it. <laughs> so Pedro stuck. Uh, I went to university. Pedro became Ped. A lot of friends and family called me Ped. So um, when I started YouTube, I thought, well, Petrol Head. 
mm-hmm. petrol ped. Yeah. Which is great, unless you're American. <laughs> because in America, ped has a very, very different a meaning. A different connotation. Yeah. Do you have Americans pointing this out? All the time. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Although I point out that actually, if you're going to spell paedophile, spell it correctly. It's P-A-E-D. Yeah. Yes. Fair. Yes. Yes, Fair. so there you go. <laughs> or I, I thought it might be something to do with being pedantic, and that would also fit. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. The, the problem is, and, and I, I think it's probably the same for a few people, you choose these handles when you you don't know what, what you're going to... You've got no followers. You've got no followers, you don't know if it's going to be successful. It might be something you do for a couple of weeks and then forget. And then, you know, a few years later, it becomes a brand, and you end up, I mean, I'm, I'm sporting my... Oh, my, yeah, my nice, nice stash here for, but, yeah, very, for the audio only. Um, but, yeah, no, so yeah, and then you kind of try and build a brand from it so it, it is a bit weird so how how did you get into youtube and then presumably you've done something other than youtube before you started youtube yeah so uh, my story of getting into youtube i think for me is um is a good one for those youngsters watching youtube thinking i'd love to do that but it's really hard work but i started off I used to watch the guys. We we know the guys now. Sam from Seen Through Glass and Paul from Supercars of London and uh, Tim Shmi One Hundred and Fifty. Yep. And you'd watch those videos and you'd see the the cars they were driving or or, or taking pictures of. And I've always loved cars. Always loved driving. Um, my background is I'm a, a trainer in telecoms, so okay. I've been doing that for twenty years. Hmm. So I stand up in front of people and talk about stuff and present. So I've figured I'm reasonably good at presenting. I was quite good at taking still pictures, not in the same league as you. As you know, it's not my. I just could frame a Something shot. Something you were interested in. I think you know with stills, if you can, if you can see a picture and frame it, and I think that not everybody can do that. And you'd probably definitely back me up on that. That's, that's, a, that's always, basically most people it, are like it? too far away, or the subject's tiny. But yeah, so I thought I can frame a good picture. I'd never done anything with video at all. Um. And I just, I got to the point where I used to watch and I thought, I'm sure I could do that myself. Yeah. So I went out, I, I had a, an old GoPro that I had. Uh, I used to have a Caterham uh, track day car, so I had a little GoPro mm. I used to get footage from for that. I bought a Sony Handycam and, and that was it. And off um, you went. Filmed my first video of my car. I had my, well, I've still got it, my mini John Cooper Works. I did a film of that and the kind of rest is history really. But did I think back then uh, it would lead to the stuff I do now? No chance. Yeah. No chance. What would you? So when you started out, were you just making videos like? Every, did you just make them every now and then? So the what, first, you track days or no? Or? So uh, I live really close to Goodwood. Yeah. So there's like this bed of car culture mm. and car events and and stuff happening at Goodwood almost every day. You can you can pretty much go certainly the weekend go any weekend and there's there's nice cars around and they do great events like Festival of Speed and Revival and stuff. So I had that as a as a some content to make. And I started doing car reviews, if you like, but with my cars and then some friends' cars. And I think that's the challenge. If you want to do the kind of car review type content, the biggest problem you're going to have to start with is getting access to decent cars. Yeah, that is the number one issue. And I think if someone said to <laughs> and me... it never like, goes away. <laughs> like, why, why do you not film more videos? Can you film more videos or whatever? Like, well, I've got nothing to film. Hmm. <laughs> I only want to make something interesting. Yeah. And if you don't have people off giving you these opportunities, or if you send someone an email and say, hey, can I drive your car? And they say, you piss off. <laughs> you can't really do much about that. No. And my life isn't interesting enough to do daily vlogs. And I honestly don't understand how people do daily vlogs. I don't know how you pack yourself with, in, in, 
<laughs> really not that interesting. So, so you're right. You, you're so. What I did when I started, I banked a whole bunch of content. So I must have had, I think I must have made maybe ten or twelve videos before I actually put one on YouTube. That was super smart. Yeah. So, um, and I I launched it on on the first of January 2016, and I put two videos up, literally one day after another, mm. and then and then the next week two up. And so there was some content. So you there. very much structured it as well. Yeah, and then from then on, I I decided that I was going to upload a video on Friday at six o'clock, mm-hmm. and from from that day, that's been my Friday at six o'clock, um, and I have not missed a Friday. I've missed one Friday since. That is impressive. Yeah, so. like, genuinely, to start off and go from the very beginning, yeah. I'm going to do it at least one a week. And you do more than one a week. I do now three a week. But I, at the time, I, I, I can't remember where I read it, but some I read somewhere that said if you're if you upload on a certain day at a certain time, do people it. get to know. It's like tuning into your favourite mm. TV programme. So I ummed and about what time. At the time, I had a job and I thought, well, I can't do it at five o'clock. Um, because you know I want to be around when it goes live yeah. at six o'clock on a Friday, and then you've got all weekend to um, for people to watch it. So, and I know there's lots of schools of thought about when the best time to upload stuff is, but I've I've just stuck to it and, and I won't change. Yeah. So then you've got to then be planning ahead, thinking I need content. For... So I've done a couple where you think, oh no, I've got no video content for Friday. I'll do a Q and A, or you'll do yeah. do something random, and 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 that's and fine, and so. for anyone out there that hasn't realized that this is what a Q&A is. It's what a YouTuber does when they've got nothing to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It so is. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, I've got nothing to do. I know, I'll do a Q&A. And the first time you do one, you think, I'm not going to get any questions. And yeah. when you get a few, you think, oh, it's great. So I'd love to know how many YouTubers make some of the questions up now. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. We've had a, some, a question from... Uh, uh, some uh, random uh, person. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how many questions get filtered out? I don't know. Depends on the person, really. And then, I mean, and then the the big challenge for for car people, and I've got some smaller YouTube guys that I know and and kind of try and support and help and stuff because I know it's really hard. Is uh, brands often won't talk to you till you're a certain size. I'm sure we'll get on to talking about that more. Dealers are really really funny. They'll either be well into it and and be supportive, mm. but they'll want to see what you're. Good, you know how good your videos are and whether that, whether it's worth them giving you a car for a day and some just aren't interested at all yeah i i find that one really interesting because i think most some some people you come across are totally they get it mm. but for most dealerships they have no marketing like really mm. and if they've got a car for sale that they can't shift for example mm. if you let someone drive it for and most youtubers are happy to take kind of not all of them, but like what, what you can get. If someone says, okay, we've got this Ferrari F12 that we have not sold for four months. Hmm. You can have it for 20 minutes. Hmm. You would, you would make something in that 20 minutes. So my video that's going live tonight at six, I filmed on Saturday. I got literally 20 minutes in the new McLaren GT. Hmm, And I filmed one take um, with a guy from McLaren next to me. And we went for a drive on a, on a circular route round Goodwood. That was, at the invite of McLaren New Forest. Um, and it, it, that's it. That's all I got, 20 minutes and a bit of time to get some B-roll. So one of the things you do need to learn is you've got to be able to create content in a really short time frame. So in early doors, if you, if I got a car for an hour or two hours, that was really good. Yeah. And now with a dealer, it's normally a day. And now I'm lucky enough to be working with brands and they'll give you a car for anything from two days to a week. Um, or Audi gave me a car for a month recently. So 
you you know you have far far more time yeah you do and you plan stuff you have to you have to learn that fast you do like whether to to come up with something to say like i i had a an afternoon at lotus a while back and they gave me some track time in uh, an exige and an evora and i had Mm. an hour Mm. maybe a bit more maybe an hour and 15 minutes for two cars and i'd never driven them and i'd never driven on that track and you're like okay so i'm gonna drive you drive for like two minutes mm-hmm. and go okay this is i've done a couple of laps worked out where it's going and then you've got to start talking and you've got to turn it on and off you go and not mess it up and I th- what it does though it teaches you really it, it, it hones your skills at, at your at how sensitive your bum is and your hands and your feet <laughs> feeling what a car's like because you have to be able to get in a car and, and feel it really quick because yeah. if you've only got 20 minutes with a car you, if it takes you an hour to decide whether you think it's any good or not, that's you know that's forty minutes too late. Yeah, exactly. So. And it, it's you then sort of get into the tricky part of who's lent you the car and what you can say. Hmm. But once you've, I found I know kind of what I like in cars, and yep. as I get older and then try different things, that changes like yep. what I'm looking for in a certain car. But if I get in a car and my immediate thought is. I don't like this. You've got a problem because one, you can't then spout off an interesting 10 minutes. You can be, you remove the enthusiasm part and you become very like analytical. Mm. This is this, this is this, this is this, this is this. Mm -hmm. And you make a video. But there is this sort of assumption that everyone's going to say nice stuff about every car. And ideally you want to, but... So, uh, uh... I knew we'd end up talking about this because for me it's a really. I, I I've just I was at the BMW One Series press drives last week and my uh, One Series video went up last week and I've had some comments this week about because I didn't really criticise the car that much yeah. because genuinely I thought it was a really good car. So which cars did you drive? I drove the the new One One Eight I, which is the front wheel drive. drive. It's a one point five three cylinder. Okay. One series, which hasn't front wheel drive, hasn't yeah. gone down well. Um, and then I drove the M135i, which is a four pot, two litre turbo, okay. four wheel drive. So both of those are, are massively out of the BMW. They are. And, and, and the really interesting thing is talking to the guys at BMW is because obviously the one series are famous for being rear wheel drive. Yeah. The 140i had a six pot, you know, uh, three litre, yeah. a mega engine. So. But I, you put those things to one side and just drive the car on its merits as it is a car, and they both drove really, really well. The front-wheel drive 118 was a really nice car to drive. So I did struggle to find anything negative to say about it. So instantly I'm at the paymaster of BMW, and yeah. I'm only there because I'm being Because you haven't just shot it down straight yeah. out. And, <laughs> and, and, and that couldn't be further from the truth. And I think the, if you're going to do car reviews, the... The really important thing that there's a, there's a few things I learned quite early on, and I asked I asked other influencers mm-hmm. like Tim and uh, and stuff, to, you know, and uh, James JWD, mm-hmm. what, what kind of things to do, and they just said be yourself and create good quality content. And it, for me, if you're going to do car reviews, the really difficult thing is early on. We've already mentioned about it's difficult to get cars, so you feel like you have to say nice things about the car so that that garage or brand will give you another yeah. car. And and it and it's very difficult to get in a car and think, oh, I don't like this, and say negative things about it because you think they'll never give me another car again. Um, I think it depends on how you do it. Most of the press teams I know, if they thought that's how you were being, they wouldn't give you cars. 
because they don't want you to blow sunshine up their car. They want an honest opinion. I think I just think you have to balance. If you got in the car, and go. This, like, there is a would, balance. Do like a Jeremy Clarkson. This, yeah, you know, he could kill a car with one comment. I'm not Jeremy Clarkson. You know, <laughs> he's got so much sway. He made the Aerial Atom by that yeah. one film on Top Gear all those years ago, and he killed destroyed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I, I'm not going to do that, but you know, I. I, my very first Hyundai press car was the i30N Performance. Mm. Mega, mega little hatch. Axle tramp like no car I'd ever driven in my life. It was horrific. Um, and I said that on the video. Hyundai didn't complain. They didn't say, we're not going to give you another car again. They loved the video. It did over 100,000 views. They yeah. were happy as Larry. Um, so it's really, you have to just say what you see. I and, think... And hope it's okay. <laughs> I, I 100% agree. And... My way of combating that, also no one learns me any cars, so it's a very good way of not reviewing cars, <laughs> but is just to try and try and actively drive cars that I think I'm going to like or that are That's my a, sort of thing. That's a really good idea. Um, but then, for example, I've been banging at BMW for ages to let me drive, well, one, just the M2 comp- the competition and... Just, just not interested. I don't really understand why, but fine, that's their decision. Um, but I think as you go up the price brackets, cert- or, or there's certain manufacturers that wouldn't take kindly to you calling out cars, unless you're certain, unless you've reached a certain level of sort of journalistic integrity, or you're working for yeah. Evo or Top Gear or something, where you're kind of allowed to say whatever you want because they're going to send you the stuff hmm. whereas i think there are brands that are like you said are just open and they they do know the reality of if it's rubbish it's rubbish you're not going to say it's rubbish you might no. point out things it's not very good at yeah i mean i think the integrity thing's important if you so my my um i guess the first probably two years of youtube i've been doing youtube coming up to four years, it'll be four years in January. So the first couple of years was, was almost entirely local dealers and other, if I call them subscribers, cars, but people yeah. saying, I've got this car, would you like to drive yeah. it? And with those dealers, they very quickly realised that if I reveal, did a film on a car for them, they'd have people walk in the dealership within, the, within a couple of weeks saying, I've seen this car yeah. online. Um, and and I've, got, I've got evidence of that across different brands. So that's the thing that makes them happy to give me other cars. Yeah. And, and the same thing now with with at brand level, but so I know that that people watch stuff and and uh, value my opinion, and I'm not going to say a car's rubbish for for the sake of yeah you know, a, a good bit of thumbnail or you know some clickbait. And, and my honest opinion, I don't think there are that many bad cars out there. Really, that's it. Most most modern day cars, most of them are pretty good. Yeah, you know, that, you know most you, of them are very good. Yeah, you'll have to you know, and and I think there's a whole bunch of. <laughs> Are we going to get onto keyboard warriors? I bet we will. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of kind of, there's a community of people out there that just, you know, will not accept anything. So a really good example for me, I drove when the Boxster 718 came out. Mm-hmm. I drove that and I, I had driven the previous gen with the, yeah. with the, um, with a six cylinder engine. And I drove both the, the, the 300 brake one and the 350S. And honestly, mega cars. And I didn't think it sounded that bad. Yeah. Different, not bad. Man, that sets a fire in the comment section. Yeah, it lights up some. You don't. Keywords. It's got to have six cylinders, and it's got to. And I'm like, well, yes, but that's just the way of the world is. That those. This is what they've that's done. That's what's happening. You know, it's like 
I love a V12, a naturally aspirated V12. They're great. You're not going to see very many yeah. of them anymore. The the it's, Boxer it's, is an interesting one. Cause what do you think of it? I've driven an S, yeah. 718S, yeah. and it was my dealer invited me to go and drive a, the range. Yeah. It sent out to a lot of customers. Yeah. And I thought it was a really good car, but I 100%, as someone who's owned a 981 Boxster and yeah. a bunch of Porsches and stuff, the engine is just, it doesn't have the oral it doesn't sing. stuff, which for actually for most of the people that are buying it, mm. they don't care. They, they really don't care or don't know, you know, it doesn't bother them that much. For I think most people that buy that car buy it because it's a nice convertible, yeah. looks cool, good brand, reliable. Yeah. Good performance handles well, but like they're just driving it around day to day. So I did a, I did the two litre F type, mm. um, and I've driven I've driven the V six and the V eight F types, and I I pretty much spent the whole review talking about the fact it didn't sound like a V six or a V eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it didn't sound bad. It just didn't. Uh, but it was a really good car, and and I think the the other thing it, it you know in inverted commas only had three hundred horsepower, whereas the others have a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. When you drive lots of fast cars, you get in that and. Any member of my family or any of my friends would probably get in that car and think it's the fastest thing they've ever driven. But when you drive lots of nice cars, you you have to kind of adjust things. But I had people in the comments saying, you know, noise isn't important when you're driving a car. You banged on about the noise for so long. And I'm like, for some people, it is like For some people, everything. it really is. <laughs> it really is everything. Um, F-Pace SVR. The, the, I was so excited about driving that because mm. I'd driven the Range Rover Sport SVR and the F-Type SVR, and they just sound like like thunder driving down the road and the f-pace doesn't because it's got all of these opf filters and stuff in it it didn't crackle and pop and i was so disappointed and that's a good example i i absolutely slated it on the first yeah. it's it's just got everything it, but it's just such a letdown yeah and there's certain <laughs> it's got no theater for me there's certain things i expect out of certain cars mm. or and but it's funny because you go on to like i rarely use facebook anymore but i'm part of a porsche thing and I, I kind of don't really know why basically a bunch of my friends are on it and i'm like yeah whatever fine but why do people do this for example i'm selling this car i'm thinking of selling this car and i'm thinking of buying this car what do you guys think now i ask my mates in like a whatsapp group of like 10 people more as like a sounding board that i ask them those sorts of questions i don't ask 500 random people what their thoughts are because each of those people has a different opinion yeah uh, I, I get i get probably two or three messages a week from people saying i'm thinking of buying this i've test driven this you have which one should i buy that's and i'm like what fuck? <laughs> tell you that i'll i'll give you my thoughts but yeah. it's your car mate you've got to go on once you've reviewed a lot of cars yeah. and you've driven a lot of cars the people that aren't into cars do come to you and go yeah. okay i'm thinking of spending this amount of money on a car i had a friend do this recently and what do you think this is roughly what i'm looking at is, yeah and then the question was more is there something that i've completely forgotten about yeah like is there other stuff that i'm just going like <laughs> obviously that's the one you should get yeah and we started talking about things like um he ended up getting a an a3 saloon 
from like a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and he wanted, I think he wanted a bigger car. So he kind of wanted like an A4 or an A5 or that size car. But for his budget, we were looking at the the years that the interiors of cars had got changed. Right. So like generally manufacturers seem to have done, let's say Audi, yeah. they've replaced the A3 first. So that's got the new interior in 2013. Yeah, yeah. A4 gets it 2014, yeah. A5 2015. So if you want a car that's depreciated a certain amount, there's like a rolling time before the ones come around again. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'd not thought about really that. You're really thinking about that. That's <laughs> a lot of detail. But that's when someone says, I've got, whatever it was, nine grand, what would you buy for this? And you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into this and go, mm. for me, day-to-day, interior it's huge because that's the only bit you see when you're yeah, you're just it. sitting in traffic. Like that's it. If there was one life skill I, I, I could have, a, a car life skill, it would be that knowing what to buy when, and you know that would be a good. That would be a great skill. I, I, sadly, <laughs> I don't have it at all. I would do the same. I would. I would love the same for like exactly the same concept, but like which racehorse. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then your car buying wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but if you go to the races with someone who studies form, they kind of do that. Yeah, but uh, how successfully? Uh, yeah, I, I, I just... I don't know. Th- those silks are a nice colour. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Name, good name, good, good name. Good name, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Do you think you've you've sort of got a niche, a certain niche in the YouTube world? Or, and is it is it intentional, unintentional, or...? Um, I can remember reaching out to one of these management companies, uh, in fact, the guys that managed some quite well-known YouTubers, because I thought, I, I've got to about seven or 8,000 subscribers, mm. and I thought, well, maybe to get access to all these things, I need to be managed by somebody. Yeah. Um, and we had a conversation, and they said, what's your USP? What's your thing? Yeah. Because if you've got one, that's really super useful. And then, then I spent about the next year trying to work out what it could be. <laughs> The obvious one, and it won't work on the podcast if you haven't seen any of my content, but um, I'm quite an old YouTuber. There's only Harry Metcalf older than me, really. So I am uh, 47. So what that means is the demographic of people who watch my stuff is slewed slightly older than most channels, I think. What is your general um spread it's normally like a bit of a bell curve it's a bell curve but it kind of it starts getting high around 35 and it goes up to about 55 so most of my my kind of 60 65 percent of my viewers are within that within those yeah. two limits so m- much older than than a lot so i think and, and what that means is the guys who watch my videos are the guys with the money who can often buy the cars yeah and that's my pitch fair enough and when i i mean i flew to the middle east with work uh with my proper job early this year and a guy and his wife was sat next to me on the plane, and I was sat down, and he just leant over and he went, "Sorry, you're petrified, aren't you?" I was like, <laughs> I, "I am." Yes, he went. I bought an Audi RS4 because of you. You're like, can you write this down in an email? <laughs> he did. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And, and it wasn't a. I went along for tech. He saw my video and ordered one on the phone. Nice. So uh, you know that that that's a. I, I guess my. And that happens. That 100% oh, yeah. happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and if you can, for aspiring car reviewers, if you can capture that, and I know it's often kind of anecdotal evidence, but if you can capture those types of things, if people tweet you or send you an Instagram or whatever and say, oh, you know, yeah. I went and bought that car, that's really powerful. I'm, my reviews aren't so much about the, the kind of, you know, what the, the 
sat how the sat nav works or what the MMI yeah. is like, what the stereo is like. I'm very much about what it's like to drive as a car. Mm-hmm. I call them, you know, is it a driver's car? I like driver's cars. So, um, you know, what's a what's a driver's car? A dr- well, yeah, well, they all, obviously <laughs> until we get autonomous cars, all of them are. But something that just ha- a visceral kind. Of, I mean, the ultimate driver's car for me would be something like a Caterham, but you can't live with one of those. Yeah. But I had a Caterham for a year, and every time I got in that car. Even if you didn't drive it fast, it just made you feel really, really special. I, I, people say, well, what's the best car you've ever driven, driver's car-wise? Suzuki Swift, the new one, is really mega. Uh, the new Fiesta ST, mega. I really want to drive one of those. They are, because they're, they just, they've got personality and you get behind the wheel and you can't, oh, I knew I should have. Yeah, so you, you know, that, that uh, things like um, an MX-5 or... Uh, and a Bath One Two Four Spider or something like that. That they're they're drivers' cars, top end of the scale, McLaren Six Hundred LT, Porsche Nine Eleven, those, those types of things. Mm. That doesn't mean I won't drive other things, but that that's what that's I really what you'd like. rather drive. I think it's, it's the same for me. Like, yeah. I love cars that reward you for driving them, yeah. and I also like you know, I like other cars. Like yeah. I drove a, I recently changed my M Two for an S4 event, which I believe you have. Oh, I have an, an S4, S4 event. event. Is that your one park? Yeah, it's, like oh, same, okay. it's basically like it's same the same spec, spec, isn't it? It's the same colour and everything, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant car. But I didn't buy that because it was the best driver's car of the lot. When I looked when I looked at the cars that were sort of in that bracket, I wanted something a bit bigger, more space, comfy, blah, 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 blah. And I don't approach that with, like, which gives me the most visceral feeling driving it all the other factors start to come in yeah overhead now, now the reason i love my s4 is because it it is a, it, it's just a brilliant car at everything mm. it's fast it's got loads of room it's four-wheel drive so you can drive fast when it's horrible wet yeah. and muddy and and you're not going to feel like you're ever going to get into trouble so you can get from a to b at the legal speed limit obviously people yeah the entire time all the time um, but it's just a really, really good car, and and you'll get thirty three, thirty four miles per gallon. Yeah. So, what do you think of them? Yours is a petrol one, right? It is. Yeah. So, what do you think of the change? I haven't driven it yet. So I haven't I, driven I, it. I'm, I am very keen to drive one. Um, I. The interesting thing for me when we bought, well, so I'm on my second S4. Actually, we had a, a B8.5, and now we've got the B9. Yeah. And when we bought the original S4, we actually had a Range Rover Sport. Um, autobiography and mm-hmm. it was just a bit thirsty so we thought well we'll get a, a, an estate car a little bit more sensible a bit more frugal and we were looking at a three liter diesel quattro a4 which line which actually is is not massively different in performance is it no not really no the problem is as my local dealer said they are rare as rocking horse poo, mm. basically we just couldn't find one and then i said well i'll have a look at the s4 didn't think about the s4 because it was petrol and we worried yeah. about economy and then when you look at the numbers actually it's not nearly as bad as you think. Yeah. And we got one and that was it. Love Done. affair began. And then when that got to 80, 85,000 miles, I was actually looking for a car for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at an RS3 and the guys I was working with to find me a car said, we've got a really nice S4. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so we replaced the wife's car and then that was it. I didn't get my car. I'm still waiting for it. So. <laughs> Does part of you not like the fact you replace an S4 with an S4? Oh, YouTube doesn't. Oh, yeah, but screw that. <laughs> so you, that's not my, my YouTube car, my Mini, I guess. Uh, yes and no, it was just a really good car. Yeah. Would I have liked something a bit different? Yeah, but we looked and there wasn't 
I, we honestly couldn't really find something that kind of did the same thing hmm. for the same kind of money and, you know. It is like... Uh, uh, you know, would I like an RS4? Yes, but they're 15 to 20 grand more and I don't think you get 15 to 20 grand more performance. No, you really Not don't. Not to live with every day, the amount of miles we do. BMW, 3 Series, Touring Extra, I, they just didn't light my fire. Yeah. I'm really not a Mercedes kind of person. Sorry, Mercedes fans out there. And that then it That's started it, to be really, really difficult. I, I went through the full loop of what <laughs> you do when you're doing these things. And it was, I knew the value of my M2. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if, if I can ideally spend the same amount of money, I'd rather, spend, I'd rather just not spend any more money or, you know, not a lot of difference. Yeah. But if there's something that really like, gets me, then I'm, I'm happy to spend more money on it. And I tried all... I was like, okay, I want a bit more space, comfy, yada, yada, yada. When drove a C63 estate, in my head, I was like, I do like the sound of those cars. I like the idea of those cars. And I drove it, and I got out of it, and on the way home, even the guy, the guy at the dealership, who was great, was like, this is not a car for you, is it? And I, like, I don't know why not. I, I, I'm not sure why not, but it just wasn't. All your neighbours would hate you within a week. I don't know whether they would. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just... Anyway, so that was that. And then I booked in to drive an S4. The one I wanted to drive turned out that they were having the wheels refurbed, so I couldn't. And then on the way home, there was an RS4 at Finchley Road Audi, which is probably still for sale there. I offered them... A lot less than they're trying to sell it for and they didn't take me up on that offer. That's why I don't have an RS4. But I went and drove that car and immediately was like, oh my God, I love Audi Estates and I love Audi RS cars because yeah. they just look amazing yeah. and they do all the stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that had the adaptive suspension, which I wish my car had. Yeah, but, I don't have that either. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm totally fine with that. And then I got home and then eventually drove, went to see a blue one, an S4. And it was just that thing of like, it's pretty much the same car. Like, yeah, it, it's not doesn't look quite the same on the outside. It's still got three hundred and fifty horsepower. It's still <laughs> they're going to be as fast. It's just so quick. It still will cruise at sixty, just the same as the other one. Yeah, and it's twenty grand difference. Yeah, and then RS fours at the moment are in some weird bit where they went out of production for a bit to yeah. get the OPF filters and yeah. stuff sorted out. So they're artificially being held up in value mm. which means when they come back mm. they're gonna it's just that thing of like actually it's 20 grand more for n- basically no difference yeah My, the, the question would be when the time comes to change rs form we've only we normally keep cars about mm. three years so it's, it's a way off would i get the diesel one and i honestly can't answer that because i haven't driven it yet I, i'm i'm honestly not sure i think well, if I'm honest, I think we'll probably be at that stage where we'd look for an electric of that, yeah. f- for one of our cars. Do you do a lot of miles in that car? That's our main family car, yeah. So we'll drive, we've got a house in Cornwall, we drive down there. Yeah. So it's 240 miles to Cornwall. So if, it, if we were going electric, that would need to be, you know. By that point in time, you, that would of, sort of be okay. Of so. but Porsche Taycan, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they might have depreciated a bit by I know, then. I know. I, put, I had a, I, the Panamera Sport Turismo e-hybrid and, and absolutely love that car. And my wife loved that yeah. car. But unfortunately, they're about 120 grand. They are very expensive. <laughs> yeah. But they are one of the most, one of the fastest depreciating vehicles. Yeah, we'll just hang, hang far. I'm sure you'll, you'll pick up a bar. <laughs> Get one for like... Mega car, though. Like, really good. 
Cool. Yeah, very cool car. I, I think for me that I wouldn't mind having a diesel. Like having that day in, day out, less cost of I think, filling up and yeah, stuff. I think that car's all about the torque, isn't it? And and I know a few people have driven it and it it doesn't give you that auditory pleasure. But no. I had a friend of mine had a V8 diesel KN and that thing sounded amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, he had someone at work bet him 10 quid it was a petrol car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, 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 it's a diesel. I went, I bet you it's not. I said, it's, it's my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bet you a tenner. It, it is, I love those it's, sorts of it's, bets. It's my car. <laughs> I'll take your money from you gladly, but it is a diesel car because it sounded wicked. So. Yeah, the, the Porsche V8 diesels do actually sound pretty good because everyone has, has this sort of assumption that all diesels sound awful and all petrol sounds good, and that's just not true. There's a lot of awful-sounding yeah. petrols. Interestingly, though, then Porsche announced that we're not going to do diesels anymore and he's not a Porsche guy anymore. He, yeah. He's driving an e-Golf. <laughs> Seriously. Fair enough. But he, he had no... When he went to change the KN, it was like, well, what am I going to have now? I, I, I can't get my head around having a petrol KN turbo or, or you'd, equivalent kind you'd of You'd have performance. to basically get the Audi. Yeah, the SQ8 or SQ7. Or SQ7 or, or whatever. Yeah. Same um, engine. Yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. Similar car. In fact, that's not the same engine as the S4, isn't it? I think pretty much. I'm not so sure. I don't, I don't know. I should know. I, I don't know. It's the same my, technology. That that kind of unfortunately, as time goes on, my ability to recall all of the information about every single car out there. Oh, you no, you've got to be able to drops. do that. Surely, <laughs> if you don't do that, then you're not a serious journalist. I know. Well, I'm not a serious yeah. journalist. There we go. I got berated for going on the one series drive. How dare you be invited? Because I'd never driven a one series before. Yeah. Why? Why? I'm, I had two weeks' notice. Why what am I going to do? Go out and quickly find one to drive. And also, <laughs> yes, unless someone offers you the car or you're particularly interested in driving a car, like if someone said you can drive the entire one series range going back five years, every single model, every single spec, that is not interesting. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and if I did a video on every single one. No one's paying me to do that. No. <laughs> no, unless you're as cool as Henry Catchpole, who did that with the M cars, with all the M3s. That was, and that was super cool. Mega. <laughs> super cool. Really good. Which M3 would you have out of the those M3s? Oh, God. Or, or you know, M3s. Uh, I'll probably have the last of the... I don't know my M3 designated. Okay, the last I, of the straight six ones, I think. Or the CS... What's the little CS one? Oh, the, so the, the really e- ridiculous one. 46 oh, CSL. See, you're calling me out here. I'm an Audi fanboy here. Oh, Audi no. minis, man. Oh, so yeah. I, I only know... I wasn't much of a BMW guy yeah. at all. I knew that the E46 M3, I would say, is like the old one that looks cool, still looks cool. That got replaced by the, the big, chunky E92, mm-hmm. which was the V8. Mm. Um, but I didn't... Until I got my M2, I didn't really start... Yeah. No, the one before the V8 up. came, the last of the straight. Yeah, that one, yeah. that one. That's, yeah. I still think those are yeah. ultimately cool cars. And I would actually, if I had loads of space, I tried I would so love hard to, have one to persuade uh, Mrs. Petroped, the wife, to get one of those. We, had, we ended up with a 325 convertible. But there was an M3 in the show. Mm. I was like, you need to buy that. <laughs> and the guy's like, it's really not the car for you. I was like, no, no, it is. It is. <laughs> it it is. is. So is. Don't you talk me out no, of this. No. <laughs> That's one of the worst things ever. You go into a shop and you're, you're in your head, you're basically ready to buy whatever, the RS3, and they're like, no, you need an A3 1.6 diesel. Like, Do you understand that that costs more than that? Yeah. Why are you not yeah. selling me that one? It's weird. <laughs> so we, we were talking a, bit, a little bit earlier about 
sustainability in YouTube, not as in like, how do you keep going and what's the future? But it, you must spend an awful lot of time and effort filming and making these videos and putting them out yeah, for basically no remuneration. <laughs> yeah, yes and no. So, yeah, I mean, the simple answer to that question is any YouTuber, unless they're privileged enough to be of a size where they've got people who help with things like filming and editing, pretty much most of us do everything. Yeah. So I remember I filmed my first video and then I got home and went, oh, no, I've got to edit that. <laughs> How am I going to do that? So I, I, I then had to teach myself how to edit. What's your product of choice for editing? Now, Final Cut and yeah. iMovie, depending on... So I do like a midweek update on a Wednesday, which is super quick to film, very simple edit. I bang that out on iMovie in yeah. about 20 minutes. My rule normally is if... if so when I'm using in-car video, I'll, I'll either have two cameras or three. Mm. If I'm only using two, I can use iMovie. Any more than two, you have to use Final Cut because you can't have three... Yeah. Uh, video source. Oh, okay. Um, so a mixture of both those. I started off with Windows Movie Maker. Oh, yeah. 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 That's how everyone starts. <laughs> yeah. Because I had a PC at home and it had Windows Movie Maker and it was free. And I used that for, I don't know, a year, 18 months, yeah. something like that. And then, then bought a Mac and, and, and then went from there. And then used iMovie for a good, and again, another year or so and, until I went to Final Cut. Yeah. And the only reason I did Final Cut was I did a series about being a racing driver and I had multiple cameras and I couldn't do more than two cameras so I had to buy uh, Final Cut. So you uh, you did a series about being a racing driver? Yeah. What were you racing? In, in what form were you a racing driver? So uh, if we step back a, a bit of time, so pre-YouTube, I, um, I got my racing license, uh, my National B race license, about seven years ago because mm-hmm. I had a Caterham Superlight um and a goodwood um i'm in the goodwood road racing club and they have like a on a easter bank holiday monday they do a sprint at goodwood which is just a timed lap around the motor yeah. um and i went to see it the year before and we had a friend doing it and i thought that's the coolest thing ever so when i got the caterer right, i'm going to do the sprint next year but you need your race license yeah. so i went and got my odds and did my race license and i just used it for sprints but i'd never done any wheel to wheel stuff because it's very expensive and couldn't afford yeah. to do it I then started YouTube and a kind of series of events happened. I don't know if you've ever had this. So it started off, I took a photograph of a Lancia Delta HF Integrale, beautiful yellow Mm. one, at a breakfast club. A friend of mine said, I know the guy who owns that. The next thing I'm put in touch with the guy who owns it, who's the coolest guy ever. Um, And then he said, would you like to come and drive it? And I said, I'd love to. And he said, oh, by the way, I've also got a rally prepared martini liveried HF Integrale. Would you like to drive that too? So I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So went and did that and but filmed both of those. Um, and I just, uh, I mean, I've, I've obsessed about those cars since I can remember. Mm. I just think they're one of the coolest so cars cool. ever. About a year, a year after that, some other person who I'd never met before contacted me and said, I've seen your film on the Rally Integrale. I race a 500 horsepower track Integrale. Would you like to come and drive it? I was like... <laughs> Yes, of course. Uh, again, another amazingly cool guy, uh, Ellis and, and Richard, if you're listening. So I went up to Donington Park um, and drove his car around Donington Park. Uh, it was quite nerve-wracking because it, it just literally had a full engine rebuild and this engine rebuild was like yeah. 20 grand or something. It was horrifically expensive. Um, and it was just the most overwhelming thing. I'd never driven a proper racing car before. Mm. Was and it on it, slicks? No, it wasn't. It was on kind of 
dry tires but cut slicks yeah. basically but it had it was proper racing a proper dog box mm. and, uh, oh, it was it <laughs> was that. so intimidating but amazing but the guy who set that car up and 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 run that car said to me said would you like to come and do some racing i said well that would be amazing so spring forward a few months and i did a a, a round of the clio 182 cup which is the 750 motor club one of their series yeah so single make went again at donington park but he said, look, you think you're quite a good driver, but you're not good enough to get in my race car, so we need to line you up with a racing coach. So I had two sessions with a race coach, a guy called Mark Hammersley. The first one was at Donington Park. Uh, he took 20 seconds off my lap time in a day. <laughs> so I went That's from, when you're like... So I went from being what oh, I wow. thought was like a track day god, basically, yeah. to realising I really didn't know what I was doing at all. Yeah. And then we raced at Donington, and that was, that was amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing and i would have loved to have done more but it's just again it's just money basically yeah, it's, it's, and then this year i've been racing with uh, another youtuber a guy called alex who runs a youtube channel called peak performance reviews and he built and prepared a ford ka for the enduro car oh yeah championship endurance racing in a ford ka and we've done a couple of rounds of that and it's just that was such good fun that like, is oh, such good someone you've done some of that recently oh man there's quite a few but uh you get a lot of quite a few youtubers uh, end up there but it was just really really good every car's the same apart from you know the the obviously the liveries are different but yeah control tires wheels suspension what sort of grid size engine. 25 yeah. 28 cars five hour endurance three drivers sick mega it was mega fun it's um, I, I did i've done some of the c1 stuff uh, it's very very similar it's yeah. similar sort of thing because if you make a mistake it takes you like oh, yeah. a lap to get <laughs> to get back to where you were because you've got no there's no power or any 60 i think yeah, running like 65 horsepower or something the the tiniest of differences on entry speed or whatever yeah. and they're like 10 car lengths <laughs> I, know, I know and but that so i did a i'm a youtuber so i made content on it so i did a, a film of of the whole process mm. my my test days with mark learning and we, we had a lot of debriefs and things and and what i found out very quickly is racing drivers have the mental bandwidth to do so much more than just drive a car quickly yeah they need to be able to recount everything from every corner every gear every position on the road for every lap and you know and 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 get it better and understand why they're not going better so we we did a whole series of that we did a series on my test day and then we did the race and i thought this is like youtube gold it's great yeah each video's got one two thousand views yeah no one cares no one cares but you had the most fun apart from a guy this weekend who messaged me uh, and i got a comment on the first video and he's like oh this looks good and then about three hours later he there was a comment on the last video and that was amazing i've just sat in bed with a cup of tea and watched the whole thing so but you there's no recipe that racing content generally on youtube does pretty badly but like you said the people that like it really do love it and if there's not many people that recognize me Mm. but if i'm at a track quite often i do get recognized Mm. and it might be someone who's they might have have a radical or have a bmw or something and they'll come up and be like i've watched your racing videos and i love them and those videos they don't have very many views but and the interesting thing is that people love one they're obviously mega fun to make but really hard they're really really hard to make so the racing ones especially the actual races i had three cameras running in the car and the edit took forever but yeah you, you know you, you, but they're they're one of the things i love about youtube whether you're successful or not that 
that those videos will be online now forever. Forever. I can look back on them when hope, I'm you know, hopefully. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, but I can look back on them in, in years to come and remember that first lap of my first ever race yeah. and coming down Craner Curves and the, about three cars in front went off and there was a big cloud of dust and I'm thinking, oh my god! And I just remember thinking, days of thunder, aim for the cloud. You know, yeah. so, uh, and that's the that's the thing about YouTube is you get these experiences. I would never have got to do any racing had it not been for YouTube. I think um, that is my favourite thing about doing any yeah. social media stuff whatsoever is you get these opportunities to do stuff that yeah. you just wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. And I mean, meet really cool people and stuff. You meet some amazing people. And, you know, my, I, I guess the, for me, Festival of Speed is, I've been going to Festival of Speed for a long time. I remember I got my first ride up the hill as a passenger because I was a YouTuber about three years ago mm. um, and in a Maserati Levante. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going up the hill as a passenger. It's the I've most amazing thing ever. The next year, I got invited to drive a five million pound Alfa Romeo from the Alfa Romeo Museum, and That's I drove sick. it up the hill. Nice. And I'm like, what is happening? This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and then this year, I drove the Julia Quadrifoglio Racing mm. Edition up the hill. And and you think that's YouTube's done that? So, yeah, hundred percent. So you know the do, do YouTubers make money from youtube i'm yes i'm sure we'll get on to the ins and outs of it's never as much as you think but it's the things you get to do the people you meet the you know be it other other youtubers be it um, amazing car people the owners of some of the cars i've driven they're just such such generous people that share their yeah. cars with you um and and let you share them with with the audience um because we're lucky i got to drive i was a passenger in a metro 6r4 at festival speed awesome i mean you know since i was like this high yeah and i got to share that with youtube and and it was amazing experience it's just the coolest thing yeah and it those things those those moments are what you remember when you're grinding (laughs) to make something or or even actually the ones that stand out for me are really nice comments or feedback on stuff and they basically wipe out all the negative ones, which <laughs> ah, there always haters. are. The keyboard warriors. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then you get something like really heartfelt or you come across someone and they come up to you and be like, this blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, yeah, I could put a lot of that for whatever reason. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, no, that's... And I, you know, for me, being a YouTuber is a, is a, it's hard work, but it's a privilege because you get to do these things. And to engage with the people who watch your videos because if it wasn't for them you wouldn't be getting to do those things so i made right at the start a promise to myself that i would respond to every single comment on every video and i'm still i still do that and sometimes (laughs) i really wish i hadn't decided to do that um because it takes a long time so most mornings i'll wake up i'll open my laptop and i'll spend a cup of tea in bed responding to any comments that have been placed overnight do you have a uh, like a as time goes on, that's obviously going to get more and more difficult. Mm. Do, you, do you think you're going to set like a timeline on it? Like, for example, if let's say someone comments on an Instagram post of mine from four years ago, or even five weeks ago, realistically, the way Instagram works, mm. I'm never going to see that comment. Yeah, because it shows like it throws in likes with all the comments yeah. and stuff, and yeah. it's basically impossible. And YouTube, I tr- I would probably. I comment on most stuff because I don't get that many comments yeah. unless it's some dirge and then I'll just try yeah. to ignore it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's really tough because sometimes if a video does really well, I mean, I had, <laughs> it did really well, but it was, the comments were quite negative. I did a video on the Audi e-tron mm-hmm. 
And that had, that got a thousand comments in about three days. That, that is quite a lot. And I responded to them all, pretty much. Fair play. Um, sometimes you just give them a little heart. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you ignore them because it's just bile. I'm, I'm really, I do find it quite hard not to bite, unfortunately. So it's tough. Some, it's really tough. So sometimes, sometimes I find that quite therapeutic. Um, so, I mean, my favourite comment, I can't remember what video it was on now, but someone put in the comments, man, this guy, this channel's for people with small dicks, all right? So in the comment I put, that's great, you'll fit right in, make sure to subscribe, <laughs> right? Yeah, I and like it. And then screen grabbed it and stuck it on Instagram, Facebook, yeah. and it did really well on Nice. <laughs> so you kind of, it's it's a really difficult one, but yeah, you, you, uh, there will come a point, uh, you know, if you, I don't know, if you said to someone like Tim, do you respond to every comment? Of course he doesn't, he gets... Thousands and yeah. thousands and thousands. It's just not practical. But I would still like to try and because I think that that engagement it's level, it's one of those metrics that sits in the back of YouTube, and you don't see it straight away. You see views and subscribers, but the level of engagement you have is super important for brands because if you're if you have a very high engagement, then then they know people are interacting with you. They're and interested. That, that yeah. for me is really important. That's why um, I find the whole podcast thing quite interesting because. Let's say you've got a four-minute YouTube video, a nine-minute YouTube video. I would say if you, the average views is like 50% of that, that's prop, that's pretty good. Yeah. But that's only three minutes or four minutes or something. Whereas mm. you can find with podcasts, like I've got it with two-hour podcasts and like the average listen time is like an hour and a half. Yeah. Like what? Like what? Well, what are you doing, people? Yeah. <laughs> You're probably, the hell? I guess you could be driving somewhere listening to it. Well, that's it. Or... I think you... You are super engaged, and most people with a with a podcast, you can listen and do other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I think uh, I mean I've got a an unwritten rule for me: twenty minutes is my maximum length of video. Mm. Uh, I very very rarely will go over it unless for a specific reason. And and some people would argue that's too long, but YouTube likes it to be more than ten. <laughs> so it's kind of got to be more than ten. So fifteen minutes, I guess, would be would be yeah. ideal. But, it's, yeah. I I don't even know anymore what YouTube wants. Like I don't I don't think anybody does. It's tricky. I think I think they if you can get it super engaging, yeah, it can be as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. watch time seems to be a, a thing at the moment. So if you can get people for listening for forty five minutes, that is really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, I think well, I, that is a long video. If you've got average watch time, anything over three minutes, you're doing really well. Mine's yeah. about seven or eight. So I know that that's that's, that, that's a good number, but but yeah, you ultimately you've got to be an engaging, create engaging content. And people often say, "Oh yeah, how do you make, how do you become good at YouTube?" I said, "Well, you've just to, you've got to make stuff that people want to watch and and, and make and a lot of videos with. and learn." Yeah, I mean, I how it works I you. watch a lot of other bits of content and constantly try and think how you know how did that shot work? How did they make that? Um, how many cameras are they using? Are they using one and just being clever or they've got multiple cameras mm. working? The, the, the interesting thing for me, I don't script at all. I'll have a, some bullet points of yeah, top I, stats I of the, the car same. and things. Um, but I know some guys that will really plan and script and script cuts and all kinds of things. And that's not my style. So the mo- for me, you know, the any aspiring YouTubers out there, you, you have to do your own thing, yeah. not try and be someone else. Because that you're just not being genuine to yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone's so different. You know, you can, you know, if you watch someone, if you, the two, two opposite ends, well, this, the, I guess for me, the, the three guys I watch. So if you watch Tim, for me, the Tim's videos are really simple in the edit, but his knowledge and ability to put stuff across is, is 
so impressive. His ability to absorb and then put out regurgitate information I mean, I'll go in to a, a continuous launch. string. Yeah, I'll go to a launch and you get given a whole bunch of stuff. And then, you know, I'll think, oh, God, what, what, how many horsepower was it again? Yeah. What was it? Tim's like, Poof. he's like a machine. And then you look at someone like Sam from Scene Through Glass and his edits and the quality of his camera work. And, and it's just, it just, you watch that and think, that's really good. And then now that I'm just obsessed with car fiction and Henry Cavill yeah. because he videos are some amazing. of their videos are just they are ridiculously good. They are broadcast quality. Oh, 100%. Um and and they're so well written and thought through and and filmed and edited. It's they're a pleasure to watch. And so you watch those, I watch those and goes if I could have if I could get an ounce of that in mm. some of the stuff I do, I'd be a really really happy person. So yeah, you you watch a lot of other people, but then you have to then Okay, my style is X, and do it your own way. Yeah, and Don't what try, works for you? Because people, I. It was interesting having uh, Alex Goy on the podcast. He, he used to present for X Car and still does that sort of stuff. And different people have, like you're saying, have different mindsets. And what's he is an out and out journalist, mm. and he likes making a a movie, sort of like a video that has a script. So He's, I, because I watched the podcast and he, I found it really interesting. He talked about the script for him. It's yeah. really... That was it. It's like really important. The most thing. important part. I, I was watching it. I was walking my dog, walking along, watching it, going, I I might write a storyboard, maybe, yeah. depending on how long I've got the car for. And sometimes you don't have the time to do that. But I've never, ever written a script. No, neither. For voiceover, I do. If I've got voiceover segments, I write it because it just comes out better. Um, but I was thinking, maybe I should. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do it what for the, the stuff he does is really good. So, but not really. Um, but it's interesting because in the YouTube world, there is space for all these different things. Yeah. And I think if you're someone, most of the content that I watch, if it's general entertainment, I want to watch something probably that's been scripted. Maybe not, but probably it's been scripted, but it's been shot amazingly. Mm. And it's just wow it's like a movie mm. it's probably cost them 10 grand to make but that's the thing but if i'm buying a car for example or if i'm really nerding out on some old thing like okay i just want to find the most information about an old car yeah i will probably watch like everything that there is <laughs> and i want to hear from owners whether it's a crap video but it's just someone who owns the car talking about it doesn't really matter about the production value you just want the information that has mm. come across and therefore i realized with myself making videos i love making arty stuff but for me making youtube videos it doesn't make any sense to put in the amount of effort and then get other people involved and all that stuff mm. it would just cost a ton to do something that was essentially an advert almost for another company mm. for no real I, I would love to make loads of those yeah but the time and effort means nowadays i'm i'm quite happy to go and do set up a bunch of cameras make it pretty raw pretty run and gun mm. film it all in half an hour the edit might take a while but done yeah and i'm okay i'm okay with that yeah and you know you i think the first film i i Oh man, I've not been going long. A, a friend of mine had a, a Rolls Royce Wraith um, mm. for a week. Um, he was a BMW owner, and Rolls Royce at the time had a program where they were they were trying to get uh, their cars into kind of BMW owners because actually, if you looked at the monthly payments, that weren't that it wasn't different. that different, right? Yeah. So he had this Wraith. So he said, "I've got a Wraith for a week." So we then went through Rolls Royce and said, "Am I allowed to drive it?" So I managed to get on the insurance so I mm. could do a film. Right, 
this is the first proper yeah, like let's do this quarter properly. of a million quid car. And I've got a friend of mine whose mate is a drone pilot, so he bought this proper drone and there were three of them flying the drone yeah. and we did all of these kind of... And it, it was... I spent ages on the edit and for, I'm not the best editor in the world anyway. And, and it did like 2,000 views. Yeah. Um, and so just because you put lots of effort in, there's no, it's, it's, there's no guarantee that that's going to make it a good, did a you, good video. Did you... Ignoring so something I was, I was talking to Sid about. Do you know Sid? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he loves making, or used to anyway, the, the really high production stuff. But we were talking about it and go, okay, we'll just ignore the number of views, mm. right, for one second. Are you really? Were you really pleased with the output from that video? Oh, I loved it. It was. It was. I still for me one of, and it was really early days. It's still for me one of the best things I've done. So, a hundred percent worth it. Oh god, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, but commer- if we're commercially, gonna, commercially, no, he, no, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and then uh, if you flip on the other side, I had the, the i30N I mentioned earlier on. I, I I did two videos when I had that for a week. I just did a living with video. I drove down to a house in Cornwall, um, so I had some cameras running, chatted about the car on the way down, and that video did like a hundred thousand views in a week. It just went yeah, absolutely boom. nuts because I don't know whether it's the format people liked or not. Or but the car was, was like super, super relevant easy. and yeah. super important. Just at that time. so easy to make. The edit was really quick. So relevance is is everything. And I think that the challenge when you're trying to start with YouTube is you want to get access to cars when they just land, but you can't get to the press drives and things. Yeah. So getting them early. My most successful video still to date is the Range Rover Velar. Um, I drove that at a a local dealer does track days at Goodwood, yeah. and, and they they had one, and the Velar was there. I drove it. Around the, the track? S- no, it was a road route. <laughs> 20 minutes I had the car. Yeah. And I did a bit of B-roll with some voiceover, but I drove that on the Saturday. The press embargo lifted on the Monday, and the video went live on Monday. It was just a oh, complete perfect. fluke. Yeah. No, my, the press embargo lifted on the, on the day I drove it, but the video went up the yeah. next day. And it was just complete fluke, and, and that's my most watched video, which is 350,000 views. Yeah. So I've never had a proper viral I would say that's a lot of views. It's a lot of views, but you, you it's know, not million, when you get but a, is a lot of you get views. a real viral one, and they can make or break a channel. You know, you get you get a yeah. really good video. You can you get a really it. good video early on. Yeah, um, um, it is. It's, it's interesting. So all it, that. But but yeah, you going back to what you said. If I'm proud of the film and and there's some of the films I've made, I, I don't know whether to call them films or videos, but some of the stuff I've done that hasn't got great views, the Racing Driver series, I'm so proud of some of those because they were, I think they're really good to watch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately sometimes you don't have a car for long and I'll never I'll never put a video out if it's not good. I'll, I'll not just put something out for the sake of it. I know I said I'd hit a video every Friday. I've never put just some old rubbish out just yeah. to make sure I put one up. And so I did a video a week since I started. Then I started uh, about two years ago. I do a midweek update now on the Wednesday okay. at six. Um, and I did that for two reasons. One, I heard that YouTube likes it when you have a regular heartbeat of content and I was only putting one film up a week. Yeah. And two, it was just a way of engaging with my audience but also letting them know what's coming. And yeah. So it's three minutes What's long. in your three minute? So it's called a midweek 180. I often get grief because it's never, it's never three minutes because there's, there's like a minute intro and a <laughs> two minute outro. I do shout out. So if you're in the top five, people commenting you yeah. get a shout out the next week i always ask people where they are because the thing i love about youtube is you get some people in amazing places you know the first time as a youtuber the first time someone comments from like australia you think oh my god Whoa. someone's watching me in australia <laughs> that's far away yeah. yeah the best what i was doing a training course in miami 
to a bunch of delegates that came from the Caribbean. And on the first morning, the guy sat there and went, you're Petroped. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I'm like in Miami. And, and so I do a, a where are you and what you're doing. Uh, and then a bit of F1 news because I love my F1. If there's a car that's launched that week, yeah. uh, you know, a little bit about that. And that's one that's informational, but also it kind of helps on the search. Yeah. You know, if people are searching for that, then that, that's yeah, quite good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what the film for Friday is and, you know, a bit of a heads up really. So it's just, a, and then lots of engagement with the, with the, um, in the comments. So. Yeah, those, those sorts of videos are, I, I, like, I've occasionally done a podcast like that. Yeah. Just a bit of news. And I think I'm, I'm going to do some more because yeah. whenever a new thing comes out, I've, I've got some rubbish to say about it, like yeah. 100%. And yeah. even if, like, it's quite an easy bit of content to make. And it's also something that is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I can, I make that video, it, I'd normally do it in the first take. Yeah. Um, so it's normally five minutes to film. It's a really simple edit. So it's 20, 20, yeah. maybe half an hour to edit. A couple of pictures, whatever. And that's it. And I'll normally film it on a Tuesday. So it goes live on the Wednesday and that's it. So that I've done one of those for the last two and a bit years, two and a half years. And then the Monday, I've only really been doing three videos a week since the beginning of the year. Um, because you just need the content and, um, I've only missed a couple of those. Mm, that's good. Um, but... I'm, I'm impressed that from the day one to like now. <laughs> and I'm not a full-time YouTuber. And you're not a full-time no, YouTuber no, 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 at no, all. No, 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 That is... No, like, <laughs> I wish. Do you generally film your videos at the weekend then? Well, <laughs> yes, to start with. But if you're married, like I am, uh, that doesn't tend to have longevity. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been away all week, darling doing my job and now oh, by the way saturday morning i'm gonna go and drive something so the saturday just gone i drove the mclaren gt in the morning and then was meant to do something in the afternoon and that didn't go down very well but every now and again it's okay so do you try and batch videos so what, if possible yeah so if we go so i started youtube as a hobby mm. and i was very much at the weekends editing after work and at the weekends and i did that for i don't know a year and a half probably it, it gets you get to the point where once you get to a certain size, you start getting asked to things. And sometimes those things might be during the week, so you need to yeah. have holiday. And even though I owned, I was a part owner of the company I worked for, I only had 25 days yeah, annual leave, which, is and, a lot. which isn't a lot. And once you factor in a couple of weeks of holiday with the family, family and all those types of things. So I was having to turn things down or I was committed on the days that I'd been asked to do. And I, I had to turn down some some really cool things. Mm. Plus my 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 job was changing a bit and I thought, right, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go freelance as a trainer. So I left my company and became a freelance trainer and I now work with clients delivering their content on a freelance basis. So I'll probably maybe five or ten days a month doing yeah. my day job. And then that then frees me okay, up the rest so of the time. You've to now do got YouTube. a lot more time to do the YouTube. Um and that that that's fine and but again it, we were having a chat before the podcast started that the perception is i think that you become a youtuber and you drive around in flash cars and you earn loads and loads of money and honestly that is so far from the truth it's not funny yeah in fact most youtubers i know yes they earn money from youtube every month but they probably spend that and then some on making the films that earn that money yeah <laughs> be that yeah. in fuel or travel or hotels or whatever it might be so if, for youtube to become your full-time job you either are in a fortunate position in that maybe your job that it's replacing wasn't particularly well paid anyway, so therefore you don't have to earn that much money, yeah. or you live with your parents or whatever. Now, I've got 
I've got two mortgages, so they need paying. And, you know, you, you have financial commitment. So you can't just say, I'm going to be a YouTuber. I, you ha- I'm, I'm dovetailing those things in. But it gives me more time. So you asked about batching. So if I can, you know, if you can fill... So I've got a press car this week. So I'm, I'm doing a film about just following my week. I know we said that I don't have an interesting enough life to do that. But this week, actually, I've got quite a few quite cool things yeah. on. Coming here to do the podcast with you. I'm going to um, Italy on Friday and Saturday with a bath for a nice. bath day. So I'll, I'll kind of do a video following that. And then I'll do the proper review. I'll film that car on Thursday. So I'll get two videos out of the, yeah. out of the week with that car. Uh, sometimes at events, you can get... You can get, you you can know, get a few videos and more stuff. More than one, yeah. Um, but it is you're constantly my diary is constantly right what's next when when's the next press car what's the and you bank stuff yeah so most video most youtubers i know have on a hard drive somewhere a to edit file which is the footage of stuff they haven't yet made yeah. and and that's a happy place until you go to that to edit file and realize it's empty <laughs> and you're like <laughs> ah okay i've got you know when it's got lot when you've got three or four films that you haven't edited it's a really happy place because it, it, you kind of can take your foot off the gas a bit and then when it empties you're like yeah. Oh no. You know what's one step above that one? <laughs> the scheduled on YouTube, not yet posted. Oh, that is the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's that's a good place to be. That's a very good place to be. Although I think I did YouTube for two years before before realizing you could schedule. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. That's not, well, that's, that's not good. <laughs> well, that's for for some people out there that may upload to YouTube. You can schedule stuff to post at a later date. Yeah, exactly. You schedule it, set the time, and and then and then you can also do it with Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, and all these other platforms, yeah, so so, Hootsuite and those types. Yeah, of things, those yeah. sorts of things. I regularly get people be like, "I'll be sitting in a room with someone, and they're like, how the hell did you just post that?'" My first response is, "Why are you on your phone?" Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> I scheduled it. Yeah. This is yeah, 2019, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, you, I like to be there when they drop, but sometimes you can't because you've got other stuff on. So, so you've shifted from full time in your day job, yeah, now to sort of half and half almost yeah, or pretty, ish pretty much yeah youtube and presumably along with just not just but along with making videos for youtube you've had a bunch of opportunities alongside that yeah so and i guess this is where the, the, the term we use is monetizing but this is where you start to work out how you can monetize yourself so um you get to a certain point in terms of size for me it's probably for the last 12 months where yeah. You start to get approached by brands to do stuff. So that might be, you know, having their product on a video, which I'm really not very keen on. Yeah. I don't like I don't it's, like watching stuff where you tough. go, hey, look, I'm just having to use this sat nav app on my phone. <laughs> it just doesn't sit well with me at all. Or you get asked to do to create content for those brands for their social channels. And then that's slightly different. So that might mean that whatever product is you do that video for, you might get that product. So it might yeah. be a set of tires for your car, or it might be so you might do some modifications on your car, like yeah. I've done this this year. And and some of that might you might not pay for. You might get the the exhaust the bits, or whatever yeah. it might be. So if you look look a lot of these the channels that are constantly modifying cars or wrapping cars. I've not wrapped a car yet. I'm very proud of that. YouTube has never wrapped a car. You've missed the boat, mate. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah I've, I have now. Yeah, yeah. Dub Customs made a lot of money for a few years on that one. Um, but a lot of those things will either be, they won't be paying for those at all or they'll be subsidised in yeah. some way. And that that's a way of monetizing yourself. Or you start looking... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Looking at, uh, at using your skills you create, so be it presenting skills or whatever, and doing that for other people as well. So I'd like to do more presenting. I'm, I'm, I think I'm quite good at it. I've done... Mm. The last two years at Festival of Speed, I've done stuff for Goodwood on the big screen. Okay. In So they've got a thing in at Festival of Speed called the Future Lab, which is like a technology showcase yeah. of, of really cool stuff. And because I'm a technology trainer, I'm quite good at demystifying things and talking about complicated things in a non-complex way. So I've done some of that. But it's just about trying to expand your reach and... Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's 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 super difficult. You end up knocking on a lot of doors and sending a lot of emails and getting lots and lots of rejection. And then every now and again, you'll get one that's like, oh, okay. So yeah, it's a really funny one that one. I, I get approached by loads of random small companies saying like, hey, will you do an Instagram post or do you want to do a video? And they go, okay, we'll send you this product, which is a product that I don't probably don't want yeah. to start off with, and then we want you to make a video and promote it. And like. Do you understand? Like, let's just wind back twenty years. Credibility. (laughs) Like, wind back before YouTube and influencers and whatever. The idea that someone's going to make do some marketing for you for free because you give them something. Like, it sort of used to happen a little bit, Mm. but that is a bit bonkers. Mm. But then you run into the integrity side of it as someone who's trying to be a bit a journalist and whatever, and you go. There's some stuff I can do and there's some stuff I can't do. Yeah. I can't just be paid to talk about something unless it works. It, it is. And it, it's, it's a really difficult because I think the, the guys that follow you online, so my, there's a big bunch of those for me. I call them, collectively we call ourselves the peddlers, but that are really happy if I can um, monetize myself and, and do stuff. And, hmm. and they're, you know, you know, good on you, well done. There are other people who think you're you're just selling out, and you know you, you shouldn't do those things. You still have to earn a living at the end of the day, and if Someone's I want to create more content, it's got to come from somewhere. However, I, I've I just want to make sure that don't get me wrong, I want to work with brands, but those brands or those those partnerships have to sit well with the stuff I do. I don't want to you know just drop something in there that is completely incongruous with anything i make yeah um, and it is really weird to know your worth as well and i think that's that's a tricky one is that you know if you know, i got approached by a brand will you make a video well yeah i will but i won't do it for free hmm. you know i'll i'll charge you for my time and 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 they're generally quite happy with that at the end of the day they're buying access to your base your yeah. your followers your 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 
I hate the term influencer. I don't know an influencer who likes it, to be honest. But And if you do, you've got problems. You've got real problems. <laughs> and I hate being called an influencer. But it, you're called influencers for a reason. Um, in that you have influence. Whether you decide to use it or not, whether you monetize it or not, that's entirely up to yeah. you. But, um, you know, you're, there are plenty of people. And what's really interesting about <laughs> press trips is as a, as a YouTuber, so I am primarily a YouTuber, my biggest fat, my biggest base is YouTube. I've got, I have Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but the, you know, I've got forty two thousand subscribers on YouTube and three and a half thousand Instagram yeah. followers. So I'm not really on Instagram that much, and I think that's probably because the demographic of my followers on YouTube aren't probably on Instagram. I don't know, but when you go on these press trips and you meet Instagram influencers or Twitter influencers, they work in a very, very different way. And it's really interesting. They'll have no qualms about going up to a brand and saying, yeah. pay me five grand and I'll put five tweets out with a picture of me wearing your sunglasses or whatever. Yeah, they, yeah. No problem with that whatsoever. And you think, damn, maybe I should be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe, you know, but it's a tough one. It is, it's, and it's a super interesting... That, that, that trying to work out what is the value of yourself. I think most people undervalue themselves yeah. and the product that they're giving. And I've been... You know, dealt with some marketing companies and stuff, and people and some agencies that they approach you and they say, "Hey, we want you to do this." They've reached out to you and yeah. said, "We want you to, to come and do this yeah. for our company." And in the little brackets before all that, it's like this agency is getting paid a ton <laughs> to to do their middle bit, yeah. and then they're like, "Yeah, yeah." So can you come and do this, and then like we'll send you some free not great stuff or we're not going to pay you and then you turn around and go okay i want to be paid just a moderate amount for the time and effort and everything yeah. plus a, plus a little bit for my audience but generally the numbers that the people come back with kind of just really cover your time mm. and then they they're like mm, mm, mm. i mean we don't really have any money for that it's like well i'm sure you're being paid like a hundred grand for this whole thing so why yeah. Why are you not allocating yeah. some of that funds? But it is super interesting dealing with that and then un- yeah. starting to understand your worth and then I mean, being able to say wrong. no. Free stuff's great because taxman doesn't have to know about free stuff. So you know, yeah. that, that's great. Uh, but uh, ultimately, unless you're going to sell it, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you still need to pay your mortgage. So and yeah, and unless, it, If it's tied in exactly with something that you wanted to do and buy anyway, yeah. so someone gave you a car that so you then mean you don't have to buy a car, then yeah. Yeah. that works. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think you know. Ultimately, for me, as long as as long as someone in our position doesn't doesn't exploit that position just for the sake of money, I think that's the really important thing, and and it's an integrity thing yeah. as well. Um, you know, I want my viewers to watch my stuff and think and believe truly that that's my opinion that they're getting, not I'm being paid to say something, and I, I can honestly and truly say i've never ever had a brand a certainly car brands say what i can and can't say apart from it might be if you've got multi brands under the same family sometimes they get a bit funny about but what you can and can't yeah. say so you know never ever call on a bath 500 a fiat 500 a bath that's that's you know, oh okay because they're not yeah okay. yeah so, yeah There's, well, that's the fair specific enough. So, stuff. Yeah, yeah um but it's very but then you know they don't say you know, you can't say negative things about this car. Because yeah. that's just not... Well, what's the, what's the, what's point? the point in asking me to drive it or, or do 
whatever do it is what you're I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it only matters if your audience thinks you're honest, and audiences can read into you. <laughs> they see through you so fast. So fast, because because <laughs> if someone's watched, and I'm, I don't, I can't even imagine to think of the number the stats that could be on it. But if let's say someone's watched every one of your videos, I don't know how long, my, what amount of time that is, but I'm guessing that's quite a lot of time. Yeah, it'd be about 450 times by something like 15 minutes, probably. So quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. They probably have an insight into like you, yeah. or at least your yeah. perceived persona that you put out there, yeah. or at yeah. least there'll then be a gap between what you think you're putting out yeah. and what actually people are gathering about you underneath. They know. They know the bullshit straight away. Yeah, yeah. Like, whenever a, a new fancy car comes out, like a... Could be a McLaren, could be a Ferrari, whatever. And you, you see Evo, Autocar, everyone, all the YouTubers, everyone goes and drives it. What I generally try and do is, like, a th- there's certain people that I value their opinion above mm-hmm. others. Fair enough. Um, and I'm quite lucky because I know a lot of the people that go on these press launches. I'll just ask them afterwards. I'm not going to watch their video. Can't be bothered. Yeah. Unless it's At least a car fiction video or something. <laughs> no. They've got another 100 million people following, so it's fine. But I'll just ask them. Um, but you can normally, you sort of aggregate like three, four videos. Yeah. And you get the underlying idea of whether this is a good car or this like, is not a good car. Like a TripAdvisor review, right? You don't read just one comment. You yeah. Review. Exactly. I mean, the big challenge of those press launches is, and, and it's not a hardship, I know, because they're amazing to go on, is you've got X number of people there doing driving the, the same, same car thing. on the same day. It's really hard to get something that's different out. Uh, yeah. Really difficult. And I don't know how that's going to go forwards. Because if you're an, you know, making YouTube videos, the video has to get views yeah. for it to be worth your time going really unless it's building the brand and the yeah you know the ticking the boxes and stuff but at the end of the day you have to make a video if you're doing it to try and be semi-sustainable financially it's got to either add to your portfolio of other stuff that leads to brand deals with different companies down the line or presenting jobs or whatever and you go okay well my youtube it cost me money but actually net overall yeah it's good but if everyone's making the same video the entire time, the the pure journalists who turn up with the crew are all get they all getting paid to be there anyway. So it doesn't the actual result of the video, yes, I'm sure it loops back, mm. but they're not directly incentivized by having to create unique content. But all the YouTubers are. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen. I th- I now know like Tim doesn't go on many. I don't think he goes on that many launches anymore. Mm. He generally, just does his own thing. Because no one else is doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we'll yeah. see a lot more of that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky and unfortunate. Now I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm going on these launches, mm. and you're hanging out with all these people you've watched for years, and you think this is weird. I'm on a launch. Yeah, it's yeah, really cool. Um, but you know, th- there's an argument that says sometimes I'd rather than go on the launch, I'd rather just have the car for a week. And yeah. It. I'd rather so have I, a car for the week before the launch. Yeah, and I, put a video I, well, at the same yeah, time. That'd be nice. I mean, I couldn't go on the S4 diesel launch. Yeah. But um, hopefully I'll just do it for a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so if we get it for a week, that that would be great. But but those those events are very good at, at enabling you to create your network and yeah. and build relationships and get, get you know and that again that that's that's another thing is success in car YouTubing is very much about building up a network of people you know 
and 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 having credibility with those people um because it's a very small world they all all the the main guys and all the brands they kind of they'll yeah. disappear from one brand and appear in another one the next yeah. week and it happens all the time so never ever burn any bridges and and just try and get to know and meet as many people as you can and and some brands will resonate with you and ask you to stuff and, and some won't and you can keep trying with some of the ones that don't and you're wasting your time That's such is life yeah <laughs> until until the person that you really like and get on with really well may not work at a brand that you particularly care about yeah. but you get on with them really well yeah they may hot foot it to your yeah. favourite brand and yeah. you're like, oh, my, this is the best day Or ever. it goes the other way around. Or go the other way Someone around. Someone who <laughs> didn't speak to you goes to your favourite brand and you're yeah. like, ah. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing you must never do is ever watch those launches and see the people on them and go, why aren't I there? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's really bad. It's, it's easy to <laughs> fall into that. It's and you have very, to say, I think it, just, it, I definitely like try and I check myself and be like, yeah. look, n- I know. no one owes you anything. Yeah. Why like, didn't I get invited to that? Okay. That would be great. <laughs> The people that are there are above you in the food chain for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Or they don't know about you, but and, and if that, they don't know and about reason, you, it's your fault. That reason might not be the obvious metrics of subscriber numbers, view numbers. It, there yeah. are other factors that, that are far less tangible that are sometimes really, really powerful for brands. Yeah, like it's your best mate that runs it. I'm not saying that is the only no, reason, be, but that it helps. Could, it, could be, it could be all kinds of things, but yeah. Yeah. So. Many, many, many reasons. <laughs> so you are currently, you have a press car at the moment. I do. I don't know when your video of that's going to go out. When's it going to go out? Um, so actually today was a good day. I had a press car picked up and one mm. delivered. So uh, I've just got the Renault Megane 300 trophy. That video will probably drop next Friday. So okay. I'll film it on Thursday and then I'll, I'll, I'll edit it for next Friday. Are you happy to give a little two cents on it now? What, or of, the car? of the car? I've driven it from my house to your house and it's mega. Oh, there we go. It, it's uh, great. So <laughs> what what's great about it is it's got a manual gearbox. Nice. Remember those things in the in between you have to move those them. Three from, yeah, there's three pedals. Yeah. Does it have auto blip? No. What? Well, it might have, but I can't seem to turn it on. But that's great because that means ideal. you have to heel and toe. It's great. <laughs> but it, it the gearbox is really nice. Like one of the, I'd put it in my maybe top three or four gearboxes of any car I've driven. It's Ooh. that good. It's that good. Up there with... Caterham six speed, which is mega. Uh, my old S two thousand, which was lovely. Yeah, and then something like a Civic Type R gearboxes are always good, mm. but it's a really good gearbox and it sounds great too. So. It's uh, I I don't have much experience of front wheel drive hot hatches. No, uh, my only real experience of hooning a front wheel drive car has been the Citroen C one yeah. <laughs> racing that. <laughs> and to be honest, that is mega, and it has yeah. completely changed my view of. Like of what you, you front so, wheel drive you cars so need are. to drive mine because um, <laughs> it's like it's like basically sitting on the back of a tiger and sticking a firecracker up and just <laughs> hold on tight. It's, and this thing, it's it's pretty torque steery and yeah, but it's a very good car. Three hundred horsepower through the front wheel, so it's, it's gonna, a lot of power. It's a lot through the front. Try, wheel. Trying to turn and drive yeah, yeah, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Um, but then I guess also like probably quite practical. I've got four wheels and tires in the boot. Well, there we go. Fifteen-inch wheels, yeah, which I'm taking uh, up to Wales later on today. So it's it's yeah, it's pretty practical. So good cars. Yeah, there's so, so many. Uh, it should be a good video because it sounds nice too, and I think it looks good. Yeah, I heard it. It's bright yellow pulling up outside. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. because no, then um, then we have the so there's, that's the three trophy three hundred. Yeah, RS three hundred. It's RS not the seventy-five grand one or whatever. Yeah, then there's the trophy. What is it? RS trophy R. Yeah. Is the one that's can that be stacked up to seven seventy five. Put the right wheels on it and stuff. Yeah, it's like 
carbon ceramics and yeah, carbon I mean this wheels one, whatever. As it's pretty low. It's a pre- so press cars are always generally fairly to the max, spec, and it, it's like thirty six grand, which I think is a good price. That is a really good price. It's really good. We were talking about this, and we we're going like, okay, well, what what does that sort of sit against at the moment? Yeah, I think there's there's a whole gaggle of these of kind of hatch format cars, 300 horsepower, front wheel or four wheel drive now, because especially now the new one series M135 yeah. is four wheel drive. So it'd be that Golf R, S3, Audi S3, yeah. the John Cooper Works Clubman Mini, which is 306 brake four wheel drive, which I drove a couple of weeks ago, which yeah. is brilliant. So yeah, the the I'm trying to think. Oh, say it, Leon Cooper. What's that? That's got to be a, that kind of somewhere around there. Somewhere I think. I think there. maybe a little bit less power, mm. but it is, it's, it's sort of it's crazy now because that that is <laughs> as as far as like hot hatches goes. That's like the one tier down. Yeah, it's the S, not the RS. Yeah, and that's th- over 300 horsepower. Yeah. Like, what, what 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 planet are we on now? Like, I know. Yeah, when I was growing up, you know, Renault Five GT Turbo was the car everybody wanted, and that was I think about 120 brake yeah. or something. <laughs> 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 and like, wow. All of that power through the front wheels, like it's, it is ridiculous. <laughs> but they had no way less grip back then. They and they weighed nothing. And as they well. weighed nothing. Yeah, so. I drove the Morgan Plus Six. Have you driven any? Morgans? No, and I desperately want to. Yeah. They're, they're super nice people down there. Who can yeah. get in touch. And that that was an interesting car because it's the it's like the three or like one forty i engine. Yeah, that's like, the new one they just bought out. Yeah, yeah. in a car that's 1070 kilos <laughs> and i drove down there in my m2 which is it's not quite the same engine but it's a more tuned version of that engine yeah. so more power and then got in this morgan and it was like someone put i felt like someone had put a 911 turbo engine in it or yeah. something it was just that kind of crazy yeah but it was 335 horsepower yeah. and it felt loony yeah and it's just just because it didn't weigh anything. I know. I've driven the, the, the KTM 620R. I had that for two weeks. Oh, nice. As a press car. And that's 310 brake. Yeah. It weighs 520 kilos. I haven't managed to... I, I really want to drive that car. We've been trying to work it out when I can drive it. I've yeah. driven the 310. Yeah. And I drove that on a, a wet day. Yeah. And that was one of the sort of 45 minutes that I really drove that car is up there in top five of all time they're mega drives. cars i think the 420 is probably the sweet spot yeah because you know, i had mine my cage had 150 brake so i wanted a bit more than that but not as much as 300 that yeah the the the, the 620r is ridiculously fast great fun but <laughs> but just ridiculous and i broke it on the second day i had it but oh. snap both drive shafts impressive skills how did you do that Pulling away from a set of traffic lights. Honestly, if I was if I was trying to be a hero with burnouts and stuff, I would gladly raise my hand, but I really wasn't. It just broke. I just accelerated um, with a reasonable amount of vigour away from a set of traffic lights, and it just went clunk. And then it and it wasn't on a drop in a clutch noise. or anything like that. No, it just made the most awful noise. And I'm oh, like, Whoa. horrific! So uh, they were very cool. They came and picked. I was in Bristol at the time. They came and picked it up, took it back to the factory, fixed it, and gave it me back a couple of days later. Nice. So. Well, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very apologetic, but. And I then took it to VMAX and did 160 mile an hour in it down the runway at Bronson. Oh, oh. Mm, that must have been an experience. It was pretty scary. <laughs> Ollie Webb took me around and really, really showed me how to yeah. drive. But yeah, um, that's the probably closest to being killed in a press car I think I've ever had. So I, I wasn't driving like a loon either, but I, I went out with a friend and luckily we put helmets on because it had an okay. aero screen. 
And I'd done my review just wearing sunglasses, no helmet. Mm. Um, but because I'd driven up to VMAX, because um, he was coming to VMAX with me the next day, I, I was on the motorway, so you really want to drive with a helmet because yeah. you get stone chips and all kinds of things. And and my mate, he's got a little Cajun Road Sport, so he said, like, I'm going to wear my helmet. So like, we'll, we'll wear helmets. And we were going down a road, I was probably doing 70 miles an hour maybe, and I had a bird fly out of a bush oh, or no. a hedge and hit me on the forehead. Oof. Literally on the right, right there, and it obviously exploded, and I got yeah. this nice big red kind of blood oh stain God. on the helmet. But had I not been wearing a crash helmet, oh yeah, that would have been that would have been me out of it, I think. Or at least it really spooked me. It would have hit you, and then you would have been like out of it, dazed, and then, and then crashed. Yeah. So my the reason I tell the story is my because lots of people say, oh you you know do you really need to wear a helmet if you are driving a car like a Caterham with a aero screen or something like an Atom on the public road quickly. Helmet every time, yeah, because <laughs> you just never know. That is, and that's it. Like that, no. that's one of those Don't freak things. Freak. I mean, I've I've never had a bird hit the windscreen of my car in thirty years of driving. But that one day, I was yeah. driving a car and I had a helmet on, and I've, I'm still here to tell. I've had that. one, yeah, like it just like dropped off a bridge, yeah, straight onto my windscreen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sweet, great, Thanks. cheers. So, yeah, good car though. They're wicked. I, I love the caterums. Yeah. I don't know. I hope that they can keep making them for a long, long, long time. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I don't know what what future laws and regulations and things will happen. But um, so, do you still have a catering? No, I had to. Say I sold it. I only had it about a year. Okay. Brilliant thing though. Did I, it you was, do a bunch of track days and stuff like that. Or? I did track days and sprints and things in it. And um, yeah, it was it was a a, a good. But then the, the circumstances change, and you know, you, you've got a car that sat in a garage that really was a toy. Yeah, um, and it had to go and so. not getting used. And I dreamed of having one since I was at university. So to suddenly have one was very, very cool. And and I look back on that year I had with it, and it, it very fond memory. It was it was burnt Lamborghini orange. It was with black stripe. It just mm. looked the nuts. It really did. They are, uh, but they sadly, are yeah. great. One day, things. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I wanted to ask you. So when you're not making YouTube videos mm. and driving cars or tutoring people, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> what 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 do you like to do in your off time? Do you have any I, particular I passions? <laughs> Whether it's like five uh, so, minutes. So my, my, I'm a big cyclist. So, a cyclist, uh, okay. Give me, give me a sunny day and I'll be out on the bike. And so. are you a, a road biker or a... I, I do both. So road mainly, but then in the winter, because I, I live in the South Downs, so we're yeah. just so spoilt with mega off-roading. From my house, I can go mountain biking off-road without touching any road for probably 30 miles oh, just awesome. literally yeah. not touch any tarmac so it's we're really lucky but yeah no road cycling i've done that since about two, 2009 i bought my bike 2010 i did five stages of the tour de france route for charity the Keep last going. five stages two pyrenean mountain stages which were horrific but great <laughs> if you look back on it now and i think wow but it yeah. was it was hard yeah and i just like cycling up big hills so this is the first year, actually, because I've been so busy. I've not been on the bike as much as I'd like to this year. But normally I do some stupid bike challenge each year to yeah. give me incentive to train through the winter. Yeah, fair so enough. Last year I did Paris-Roubaix, mm-hmm. uh, the, the sport. The bumpy event. one. Yeah, which was the most difficult day on a bike I've had. That was that really hurt, actually. The, the, my arms, by the end of it, were screaming in They're agony. Destroyed. The last section of Parve were like, no! <laughs> <laughs> the year before that I did Mont Ventoux. Um, in Provence, there's three road routes at Mont Ventoux, and if you do all three in the same day, you join this club. Okay. Called the Club de Sangle du Mont Ventoux. How far is that? What's the sort of each stat each climb? Uh, the three climbs there's 21k, 21k, 25k, but they're all eight percent or more average. 
Uh, and one of them has a section that is it's ten percent. It's more than ten percent for nearly ten k. It's, it's it's that sounds really steep. It it, it is yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, each climb was about two hours for me anyway. Two hours a climb, and then the descents are amazing. Because you do a lot of training for that. I did yeah yeah, and I lost lots of weight too. Uh, I like spending carbon yeah, money on carbon fiber for your bike, but any cyclists out there, believe me, the best modification <laughs> you can do is lose a stone. Yeah, <laughs> I lost a stone and a half over winter. And when I came out on the bike in the spring, my Strava times were ridiculous. Yeah, it was like, what imagine. have I done? It was like, oh, I'm not carrying an extra stone I've only stone just, half. just got into it. And I, I bought my first bike and tried to work out how much I wanted to spend or whatever. Yeah. And then loads of my friends are mad into it. Yeah. Some of which have spent silly amounts on road bikes. And you look at the the performance gain in terms of, let's say you're just trying to drop weight. Mm. Let's say a 1,500 pound bike or a two grand bike to a 10 grand bike. You go from, it's like 500 grams it's, sometimes. It's, yeah, yeah. And that's like, yeah. that's not a lot to lose. No. Most people can lose 500 grams yeah. without. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, the, the there's an element uh, for me. I, I mean, I bought... I bought an aluminium bike to start with and then I thought, no, I really want a nice yeah. carbon bike. And I bought a, a, a carbon aero bike because it looked cool. Mm, nice. For the kind of riding I do, it's so not the right bike to have, okay. but it looks really good. Well, that, that's, and half, got, like, that's half the fun. Yeah, like deep rim carbon wheels, oh, yeah. which again, look really good. So wheels, How deep? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's probably about two inches, I suppose. Yeah. They're not mega, mega, they're deep enough. You don't get blown um, all over the place. Uh, yeah, yeah, side winds, uh, it's a bit like riding a sail. But, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the, the best... The best mod I put electronic gears, DI2 gears. Okay, that was yeah. the best money I've spent. That was a lot of money, but it was well worth it. But it was good. Yeah, What's particularly good about it? You don't have to do very much maintenance because I'm rubbish at setting up uh, okay. the regular gears. I, can't, I always mess them up. So Wait, it just, does it just sort of like program itself? Yeah, it just sets itself. and You can fine-tune them, but once it's tuned, they're pretty much they're there. And then you just oh, that is good. push a button to change up or down and the front derailleur moves when the back one's on on extremes as well so it just oh it does and when you come past someone and change the front derailleur it makes the cool the guy comes, and it makes this really cool noise so, yeah that's worth every penny i've been uh, geeking out about bike stuff for the last like three months before buying Lot, my bike lots of car guys uh, and girls uh, there are 10 percent of my followers that are female just about like bikes bike bikes cars and watches seem to be a very kind yeah. of common i common love thread. it was when I started looking at it, I was like, oh, I realised this is a, a wormhole because yeah. I love techie engineering type yeah, yeah. stuff and bikes are full of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I've been good. My bike now is probably five years old and I, I love it so much I'll never change it. But yeah. I would love to have one properly made for me. I had my bike, uh, what's called bike fit. So I spent half a day with Specialised getting my bike fitted, for, mm. f- fitted to me and it made such a difference. But I'd love to get one made for me. Ooh, yeah. That would be, you know, where they measure you and then build the bike to you rather than measure you and then try and fit the bike you've got to you. Yeah, or fit a bike. Sounds similar, stock. but it's, it's really not the same. But yeah, no, I'd love to do that. But yeah, no, cycling. And then we got, I've got two dogs, so walking the dogs. Mm. And the two dogs are stars of the channel, so. I do. Um, yeah, they, I love they, dogs. they are in every video. Well, not every video, but as many as I can get. <laughs> so normally I get to certain point and then i we discuss a bit of news items oh so i've gone so i've written <laughs> not the b word <laughs> so i've written a few of news things that i could come across okay at the moment we've now got the new audi rs q3 yes and rs q3 sportback yes do you have any thoughts on those uh the first render i saw was last week of the sportback in that lime green color mm. and i thought 
Oh, baby Eurus. That's literally kind of what I thought. And it's, it's like, so much like a Eurus. And it's the same as, it's that, that shape. Yeah. Is the same as like now Porsche have done with their Cayenne Coupe, yeah. the Eurus, um, all of that. And you compare the look of the RSQ3 to the RSQ3 Sportback, yeah. and they just look like a completely different, yeah. almost look like a completely different car. And, and honestly, for me, I don't get that compact SUV thing. However, all of the compact SUVs I've driven have all been brilliant, and I yeah. have absolutely no doubt that car's going to be mega. It'll be great. And it's, <laughs> and it's it got the new A3... I don't know whether the Q3 has had that interior for, for a while. It's basically got the new sort of style interior you see on the A6 mm-hmm. with the two displays. Yeah. Um, has that, that been on the that, Q3 for a while or not? I'm not sure, actually, because I think that two display one, did that not start on the e-tron? So Maybe. I think some of the some of the stuff has come from e-tron and then, then spread out because I think the, 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 the displays in e-tron are really, really very funky. Mm. Um, but no, I, I need to drive one. I, I it looks cool. Badly. I thought it was cool and it <laughs> would be I fun. Because Audi stuff, being an Audi owner, Audi stuff does really well on my channel. That's the other thing people might not realise is that you get known by YouTube algorithms for certain brands of cars. Yes. And when you drive different brands, even though the video might be great and the car might be great, YouTube thinks, well, you don't know anything about <laughs> yeah, BMW yeah. or whatever and, it, and, and doesn't kind of push you out as much. But, yeah. And I so think Audi some people does do well for me. end up getting pigeonholed into a certain category yeah okay like joe everyone's like he's the bmw guy yeah. he's like yeah i like bmws and i've driven a lot of bmws but also bmw let me drive their cars yeah so that's why i've got a lot of bmws on my channel yeah i remember the first time i approached lotus they said oh you know we like what you do whatever but you've got no lotuses on your instagram or yeah. whatever so can you go and do that and then we'll lend you a car you're like no do you understand how this works <laughs> you need to get a car to be able to create the content. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, RSQ3. I've, I've loved that R, my RS3. It was great. That engine. I so nearly bought an RS3. Yeah. Um, I had a build slot for one, um, but they at the time, it was back end of last year, they weren't building them. Mm. Um, and then when I pushed for a, an actual date, they kind of were very non-committal. So I kind of then realised I was going to be spending a lot of money, even though I was getting a good deal. And then I put my money down on my GP3, so... Um, that saved me a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I saw some renders today. You probably haven't come across. It's Liberty Walk have done a, a kit for the oh, Hurricane. My. Oh my god! Right, okay. <laughs> it actually looks pretty badass. If you like wide style body kits with big wings on sports cars, it is. It is exactly what it says on the tin. I, my, my. I don't understand. So. How much money do you have to have to be able to buy something like a Hurricane? A lot. All right, in the first place. And then take it to someone like Liberty Walk to, to customise. Cut it up. And- I mean, don't get me wrong. I was in uh, south of France last year um, and there was a Liberty Walk Aventador down there, an orange one, mm. and it did look mega. Not my thing at all, but it did look they, really mega. They stand out. Yeah. Uh, so I do get it, but... I just don't understand how much money you'd have to have to basically do do that. You've, I think you've, you've got you've got quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, like as you mentioned, South of France, I saw some pictures recently from Monaco, and there were I think it was five Chirons parked up next to each other. Yeah. And you're like, I've got a Chiron. I'm yeah. going. Uh, surely there's not going to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm going to outclass everyone here. Yeah. 
and there's four more parked. It's probably actually four of your mates who've got... got I, a few years ago, now, my wife and I were in South France and we were staying at the Fairmont and I had we, we flew into Nice for just a few days and I hired the cheapest hire car I could and it was some bashed up Seat Leon yeah, thing. that's the um, way forward. And I parked up outside the Fairmont and the concierge came out and, and he kind of just about to ask me to move on and I was like, no, no, we're checking in. And then I said to him, I said, Do you, are you going to leave the car out the front of the hotel? And he just went... No, no, so we have a garage around the back for cars like that. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, oh, okay, so you're hiding it from public view. Fair enough. Yeah, It'll okay. be safer. Yeah. It's a hard car, it's not mine. <laughs> I love, every now and then, I go on holiday and I get the the cheapest hire car I can get. Yeah. And I, I love it for the fact that it resets how I feel about all cars. Because <laughs> you drive a, um, I was away last week and what did we have? What was it? It was a Ford focus but it must have been like a one liter or something and interior and everything actually nice great sound system sound out whatever blah 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 but just no performance and and how many times did you nearly kill yourself by going trying to overtake something putting your foot down and nothing happens at all i had to very quickly (laughs) recalibrate what i thought take a run up and acceptable yeah you just have to line it up from three miles back but then you come back and get in like I got in my S4 and was like, oh, this feels really fast. Yeah, and then yeah. also you're sitting here like, oh, this feels really nice. Yeah. That's great. Like something, I think, pretty much I, I used to get a lot of hire cars from work and I had an Insignia once, the, the really low end, the low spec petrol version of that. And it was hardly had enough power to start, basically. <laughs> yeah. It was so dangerous. And that's my excuse for having a fast car is it helps you overtake. Yeah, loads of people, <laughs> loads of people don't buy that as, the, as an excuse. But I, I do. I think there's a certain amount of power that if you're the sort of person that wants to overtake occasionally, yes. you do, having more power help. If you drive something with 700 horsepower, you start to get a bit loony about it and yeah. you start to do overtakes where people are like, you're nuts. Yeah. But you can overtake so much faster and yeah. efficient, more efficiently than yeah. otherwise. And sound awesome at the same time. And sound time. awesome and have lots of fun at the yeah, same yeah. time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but too many modern cars... You would pull out to overtake, you put your foot down, and then you realise you're doing like a hundred and... If it's a really fast car, you're doing like a a lot and lot and lot of miles an hour. You're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I only put my foot down for a little bit. This has got ridiculous. It's interesting to say that because I I had the R8 V10 performance for a week, a couple of months ago. And that was the first... I've driven lots of supercars, but normally either on a track when you're in fairly controlled conditions yeah. or on the road with someone sat next to you okay. for very short periods of time. So I'd never actually spent a long time in one. Yeah, get used so, to it. so to suddenly have one for a week and as a, as a kid, you think, Oh, one day I'll own a supercar. And then, and then you get into YouTube and think one day I'll own a supercar. And then you actually have one as your car for a week. Uh, and honestly, at the end of it, don't get me wrong. I loved having the car and, and it was a, an amazingly impressive car, but at the end of it, my overriding thought was that car is just too fast. I mean, you so much grip. Oh man! I mean, you'd go down a B road or a, a nice country road in that, and you'd look down and you'd be doing sixty miles an hour, and uh, and <laughs> and you think, wow! But you would probably have more fun in something like a Fiesta ST. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you can really rev the gears out and and and, and really give it a good seeing to. But in a supercar, they're just so quick. So quick. McLaren 720S, I love those cars, but I've driven one on the road and one on the track, and 
both occasions just thought, do you know what? I this car is just too much mm. for me. Six hundred horsepower. I think that's that's a nice. You know, Depends six, on the weight. Six hundred LT McLaren. Oh, I'd have one of those every day. Mega seven twenty S. Just whoa. You know, yeah. that's a fast car. It's the and and it's the way that the cars are getting less connected. Like you don't like you get in the caterham and they it like fizzes. Yeah, yeah. And you feel it straight away. Yeah. And that's the feeling you want when you're driving a car that is fun. Yeah. I had the RWS, the rear wheel oh, yeah, series, yeah, yeah, yeah. for a week. And even that, so that was that's rear wheel drive, you could mash it in, pro- in pretty much the wet and it would just go. <laughs> and you'd be like, but there's some laws of physics being broken. Yeah, here. like I don't on? understand. Like surely <laughs> this car, not being four wheel drive, I should be able to leave like a massive set of black lines down the road from yeah. stationary. And yeah. the answer is you can't, Yeah, which is ridiculous. And then you kind of, it's just, you just get to a point and you're like, well, what is the point? I don't understand. I think, I mean, there's, there's the, I think a lot about that. I mean, you've obviously got a supercar. So you'd be, a lot of it is the, even driving one of those things at low speeds. Oh, it's really town. nice. It's just so cool. so cool. And you stop and it's not a car. If you, if you don't like attention, you don't have a supercar, but you park up or you, you're driving through and it, and it, that's, that's the cool bit. 100%. The, the kind of extracting maximum performance down a B road in the UK. It, that, that, it's just not we're on a track. I mean, amazing, but uh, yeah, yeah. so I did find it quite interesting. Don't get me wrong. I still want a supercar really badly, but I did get to the end of the week and go, oh, wow, that's totally changed my view of what it would be like to own one. Yeah, it's, it is and, really interesting, and, I, and, isn't that, it? and it wasn't mine, so I wasn't worried about putting miles on it, yeah. and depreciation and... Tyres and whatever. Oh, my God, it was thirsty as well. It was, like, properly, properly yeah. thirsty. But, yeah, it was... It's, but it's, not that bad on the motorway? No, not too bad. Not too bad. Don't stop at motorway services to put Super Plus yes. fuel in it, though. I think I paid pound sixty-three a litre. Motorway services? <laughs> I, I, I don't <laughs> Just, know why I started looking at in this my, recently. In, the, in my video, I was filming at the time, I did have a bit of a go because it was like, one sixty-three a litre? Yeah. Are you kidding me? And I couldn't put 95 in it because it, it's a supercar. I had yeah, to have. Yeah, I put the 98. Yeah, and, it's like, like, and I was sat there going, should I, just, a litre. should I just put 20 quid in? No, just <laughs> You're the guy in the RA. <laughs> I'm like, why have you got this brand new 19 plate RA and you've just put a tenner in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy behind it's going to make it's a press car, right? <laughs> you know you can put 95 in those things. I'm sure you can. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you can. I just, I just, interestingly, my mini's got a tune that I've been told, you know, you really do need to put, it was generally yeah, super plus because of the tune, but but yeah, I'm supercharged sure. and turbocharged engines. Yeah. It makes more of a difference. Yeah. Um, I think McLarens they don't like it at all. They, well, yeah. funny enough, they're turbocharged, but they they really do sort of start shutting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's weird. I think <laughs> the idea that the most fun car to drive down it's in the UK, a, a country road, is no longer what the current top end of cars are considered. Yeah, it's, but it is that overall experience. Yeah, yeah, it's that intangible thing. But they are just—they are so quick. They're just so quick. They are so quick, and and um, you know, even an RS4 or they're you know, an S4. Yeah, I'm being funny. Sometimes I drive along in my S4 and look down at the speed and go, "Wow." Yeah, you know, and they make it easy. They make it easy and comfortable. <laughs> really, really easy. You've got yeah. the tunes on and whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's raining and you've got no no traction problems. Back the fastest I've driven across country was way back when and i was being an idiot and i do not condone driving fast i'm not, I'm not going to say no, but just point a to point b it was wet and it was back when i had an s3 
Oh. And it was just like, it was nighttime, so you could see lights and stuff. And you could just monster yeah. without really worrying about it. I had a TTS um, a couple of months ago, and I had a, a trip. And, and I'm, I'm, for me, that kind of four-wheel drive platform that Audi have, at S level, not at RS level, I think that to get from A to B, you can, you can drive like you feel like you're going quick, but you're not, still not going ridiculously yeah, yeah. quick. Whereas you probably would be in an RS, I think that they've got that sweet spot. It's perfect. It's yeah. a really good amount of power yeah. that you get a really good feel of acceleration, yeah. but you're yeah. not therefore then having to slam on brakes yeah, yeah. the entire yeah. time. Yeah. So an, an, another new vehicle that we sort of been starting to be rumored is the new BMW M2 CS. Yes. Obviously, being an Audi person, you know absolutely nothing about BMWs. Well, I, I have driven an M2 Comp so uh, um, on track and. The interesting thing for me, the first time I drove the M2 Comp was at Bedford Autodrome, and yeah. I really, really didn't like it because I'd literally just got out of a Formula 3000 car. Okay. Because you do those experiences. Yes, yeah, you yeah. jump from it's one car to another. Palmer Sports. Yeah, I'd done the little, part, the little um, Le Mans prototype type car, then, okay. into, a, then into an F3000 car, and then into an M2 well, that's Comp. that's the wrong way around. <laughs> I know. And it just felt big and lollopy, and, and it was a bit damp, and I just didn't enjoy it at all. Mm. And then we, I went back on a bmw day about a month later and drove it a month later and i thought this thing's really good that's oh, a really good car so i can only imagine if they take that platform and make it lighter and more powerful and do other things it's going to yeah, be very very good one of the stand this sort of figures that it nothing is confirmed yet but it's getting the cs recipe that you would normally apply to the m4 or whatever yeah. on the m2 so it's going to have a bit yeah. more horsepower it's probably going to be 400 50-ish horsepower. One of the bits that stood out for me is they're putting, supposedly going to put the adaptive suspension from the mm-hmm. M4 on the M2. And that was the biggest problem I had with my M2 was it was just at low speed, day to day, just jiggled you around the entire yeah. time. On track, and it's not a track car. Like none of these are track cars. They're road cars. Mm. It was awesome. Mm. It was perfect. And I could see why in Germany on super smooth roads that setup would be amazing. Yeah. British roads. British roads, not quite the same. Yeah. I can't. Do you know how much it's going to be? Or is it still I, <laughs> a lot? It, it's going to be a lot because an M2 competition is 50, 52 probably mm. spec'd up or something. I reckon it would be, I think it will probably be, I don't think it'll be crazy. People are saying it's going to be like 100 or something. There's absolutely no way it's going to be, it's going to be the same difference an M4 CS is yeah. to an M4. So it's probably going to be 60 or like like eight grand more. That is my guess. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I think interesting car. Although some top spots. I drove the M850 convertible. Mm. And I just remember that. It was over a hundred grand, the car I drove. It's like, yes, it's, I, I, it was amazing. But it's like, hey, it's I really like BMWs. And I, there's so many cars made by Audi and BMW, etc. For example, like, RS5, RS7, RS6, mm-hmm. whatever, like M8, all these cars that are high sort of performance versions of a standard saloon car mm. that just, their list price are so expensive and they lose so much of that mm. in the first year. You go, I don't know who buys these things. Yeah, I mean, and that that's most of the cars I do on my channel are the that kind of yeah. high-end spec 
sports version RSM yeah. AMG type cars of the the standard the interesting ones, ones. Yeah. interesting ones yeah because I guess you've got a, a bit more to talk about but yeah they, but yeah sometimes you do look at them and think depreciation's a wicked mistress it is it is <laughs> and lots of people go oh yeah but I just this the monthly or so whatever someone has to pay for it one a finance friend of mine said to me said someone's got to pay for it yeah and uh, yeah we could but, do a whole thing on financing a cars and how best to you know. Yeah, and there's many ways of doing it and different theories and I, I have my own opinions, but yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. Really. <laughs> <laughs> One of the f- final ones, uh, I wanted to talk about the McGann RS Trophy R, but we've done that. Yeah. McLaren GT, everyone seems to be driving it. What do you think of the the GT? Mate, the Mac- it, it's, it's, the ride quality is unbelievable. M- noticeably different to a 720S? Oh, or- yeah. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. Uh, just because it, uh, it's got much longer suspension travel. So if okay. you're in comfort, in the suspension mm. mode, in comfort, it drives like a, and and this is, you know, don't get upset, McLaren. It drives like a German saloon. It's yeah. just superb. And we took it up round Goodwood. There's a couple of roads that are, the tarmac quality is terrible. And, and it was amazing. Really good. Um, and you're in comfort mode. If you've got the, you know, both the, the, the powertrain and the, the suspension in comfort. Mm. It's just smooth. The gear changes are seamless. It's beautiful. And then you stick it up in track track and you've got what feels like a, you know, 570S underneath yeah. it. It's, you know, suddenly got the power and the speed it and it's a bit more It is amazing. The McLaren suspension yeah. and all because of the tarb and everything. But mm. it just blows my mind every time I get in a McLaren mm. that's oh, that has that sort of what, thing what i wasn't sure about and in fact it's my video that goes live tonight but was what i love about mclarens is you get in them and they just feel so I, when i had the r8 i went to mclaren and drove um the 600 lt so i arrived there in an r8 v10 and drove a 600 lt yeah. so it's quite interesting back-to-back yeah. comparison and for me the r8 was that would be a perfect use every day daily supercar yes but my problem with it was it just felt like a really fast S4. This has always been my Which opinion isn't, of them. isn't a bad thing, but as an S4 owner, it didn't... It was very special, don't get me wrong, and, and if anyone from Audi's listening, please give me keep giving me cars. But The engine is amazing. It, it, the, the whole thing was amazing, but as a fast Audi owner, the view I had from the driver's seat it's the looked same. really familiar. So it, it kind of didn't have just that special je ne sais quoi. You get into a McLaren, and that's the Sunday morning... I've got an hour drive yeah. each week to look forward to. That's that's the car I get in, but they're very pointy and sharp and and edgy, and they just feel they 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 have this amazing kind of oh, I don't know what the best way to describe them. Sort of a that they are that visceral car that you want, right? Mm. So I thought, how are they going to take that and stick it in a GT car that you don't want to be like that at all? Yeah, because you want to sit in it for hours and hours and drive to Saint Tropez, and they've done it. And you, you sit in it and it looks like a McLaren and the, the steering wheel feels like a McLaren. But when you're in comfort, it just is so smooth. And mm. and you don't, because the nose is a bit higher and a bit shorter, you don't feel like you're going to scrape the front every time you go over a speed ramp. And um, and it and it, it's a lot quieter. So at startup, it's not got, you know, the big shoutiness. And I know McLarens aren't massively loud anyway, but the, it, it, it's much quieter. But then when you stick it in track, track, it turns into a McLaren. It's very yeah. clever. It's the ability <laughs> it's really of cars to, to do that switch yeah. now is and the space absolutely in the back crazy. It's huge. But it's big. But you can't see the engine anymore. 
you can't see the engine, but you've got this kind of leather covered. I don't know how long the leather would look nice if you're sticking golf clubs. It's quite a funky looking material. It's very cool. Um, but at the launch, they had a set of golf clubs in the back. You can get two sets of skis and boots in the back and luggage. So it, it kind of, it does tick lots and lots of boxes. So it's a, it's a really impressive car. It's definitely, um, I'm, I'm super impressed. One of those ones you think, I'm very lucky to be able to drive this car. Yeah, cool. I, I still want my list of, on my list of, about three weeks ago, I was like, okay, why don't I just ring up some dealerships and say like, hey, can I test drive some cars? Because like, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to test drive some cars. And the 600LT is on my list of... Have you not driven one? I haven't driven one oh, yet. Mate, they are. I drove one first on Goodwood, at Goodwood. Um, I only had three laps, but within one lap, I was I did 165 down the mm. straight at Goodwood. It was just, it just let you drive so fast it was it's mega mm. and then on the road it's obviously ballistically quick but it just has this playful feeling and that and it makes the best noises that's the bit i want to drive one at night time because apparently at night time you can see the flames oh out, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Exhaust. hopefully not yeah. setting fire no no two days ago or well a couple of weeks ago we had bugatti say i've done 300 miles an hour yeah in a you know in inverted commas production car whatever yeah. and then two days ago we've had Koenigsegg re-break naught to 400 to naught <laughs> and, and I'm not off the top of my head I'm not exactly sure what 400 kilometers an hour is in miles an hour do you know try and look that one up let's, let's look at that I can, I can quickly look at it it's uh, what so 100 kilometers an hour was 60 isn't it yeah 60 uh, 240. 240 miles an hour. That's ridiculous. So, okay. not 240 miles an hour to naught, and the Regera, which only has one gear, so it sounded pretty weird doing it, did it in 31.41 seconds, right? So, that's just a number you've got to start off with. That is the new record, and it beat their Regera RS by three seconds. Now, a Chiron, I looked up some stats on the Chiron. Okay. So, to put this in perspective, and whether. Koenigsegg may be able to make a car that goes over 300 miles an hour. They're, they're 0 to 400 time on a Chiron is 32.6 seconds. So the Regera has got to 400 and stopped in less time than the Chiron. Stop it. Blimey. So the 0 to 400 to naught of the Chiron is 41.96, which is 10 I mean, seconds longer than the Koenigsegg. <laughs> and the Koenigsegg, when you watch the video... All kind of examples of being able to do this. You can slam on the brakes and take your hands off the wheel. Yeah. What? I can't. I, I honestly find it hard to get my head around that sort of speed. That kind of speed, really. I have no concept um, of how fast that is. I was really like I sat next to Andy Wallace at a Goodwood dinner uh, two years ago, and obviously he's the guy. Really nice guy. Super yeah. guy. But just so, I mean, obviously, he raced, I can remember watching him race at Le Mans and stuff, and he's think, you've driven a car 300 miles an hour. I, how do you get out the back of your head what happens if yeah <laughs> you know what I mean what happens if a stone goes through the window what happens if a tyre lets go what happens if I mean any of those things you're stuffed basically as far as I'm aware my experience of racing drivers yeah. is they don't they don't have the what they, happens they let that go yeah and however you rationalise that yeah. whether it's just you don't you're young <laughs> and you don't think about it and it doesn't matter yeah or you're old and you go, well, it's Bugatti and VW putting this in. And you've yeah. seen the prep. You've seen them 
I can't remember. I think it was Autocar. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. They had some excerpts from Andy, like things he talked about when he was talking about having okay. done the 300. And things that had happened were they individually x-rayed each tyre to make sure the composition of that tyre was as perfect as it should be. So they took like 40 tyres, x-rayed them all, and then picked the four best ones or whatever, did that. But there was a section of the this flat track that they only only Bugatti can use. Mm. And it's perfectly flat, apart from apparently above 250 miles an hour. There's a section of the track that became known as the jump. Where the Which car, is probably like about yeah, a millimetre Yeah, it's literally out, like it? a millimetre out or whatever, <laughs> but at 250 miles an hour, the car was starting to like take off. And he's saying, I think... This is not exactly his words, but he was like, you know, after like the attempt number five or something, I, st- I got used to it and would keep my foot in it flat through the jump. So the car goes up, comes back down, knows it's okay, keeps going. And then he was talking about driving at 300 or that sort of speed and how the gyrational effects of the wheels were starting to mess with the steering, which makes sense if you think about something spinning, it does start to... Oh, mess I with stuff. Reading some stats about just the G-force, how much the valve cap weighs at that yes, kind of speed. Yes, like that was like a car section video. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then you look at someone like Bugatti and Koenigsegg, I think of similar sorts of, maybe not similar sorts of levels of like engineering. And then you get random companies, maybe from America, who... I can't think of the American one you'd be thinking of. Yeah. Build yeah. very, very, very fast cars. Yeah. But you sort of wonder whether... There's been an engineer who's spent a lot and lot and lot of hours just on a hubcap. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure. To be fair, I don't. I mean, uh, but hats off to them. Yeah, it's just but, super impressive. If you think that, I mean, but then if you look at thrust, uh, yeah, this is a whole the, the new bloodhound thing. So, I I did some work a few years ago in a previous job and got to meet Andy Green both before and after he did his supersonic run in mm. thrust SSC. Um, and and it's same sort of thing there. Only obviously there they're doing the not, speed of sound. Level, yeah. Um, but if you watch the in-car footage of him doing that, so it was a measured. They had to drive at that speed through a measured mile. Yeah. He entered the measured mile with ninety degrees of lock on, <laughs> basically to try and keep it straight. And and he just they were, like you said, they don't have that gene that we have. That yeah. Preserves and life. It's, <laughs> it's a. It's just a completely another. And they want level. to go back and do a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. Like those sorts of speeds, like ignoring 300 miles an hour in a road yeah, car, yeah. like 600 miles an hour yeah. in something that you're trying to not take off. Because yeah. if it takes off, you're very, very dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thousand, Bloodhound wants to do 1,000 miles an hour. Yeah. Because they had a real stumbling block. They did, but then they got ago. someone come out and um, give them some funding. I don't know the, the status of the project, but my understanding is it's still going ahead. I think it's still going. I think they've, they've been out the, the flat pan. They're going to do it in South Africa. They they got you know hundreds of people to, to remove all the stones. Yeah, just remove desert. all the pebbles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, it's crazy. I know. So normally I sort of wrap up these podcasts with five questions. Okay. And I, I seem this it seems to have slightly grown, but I mean, I'll, I'll keep it got to it. five. Do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey that stands out? Could be on a track could be driving with some mates somewhere or whatever driving trip wise my most memorable drive that's easy that's goodwood that's the alfa romeo yeah. classic alfa romeo five million pound car i had martin brundle yeah. 
behind me, Nick Mason in his 250 GTO in front of me. It was ridiculous. Have the keys. Off you it go. was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I've not done that many road trips, which is really weird. So that's one of the things that I really want to do more of, mm. you know, road trips with, with mates. I was with Steph, ABTV, a couple of weeks ago. We went to Bruges with Minnie, and that was good fun. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I need to do more. I need okay, to do North so Coast 500. Up the, that, well worth it. Yeah. Awesome. So and badly. Do it sooner rather than later because it's getting more and more popular. Yeah. But okay, driving up the hill at Goodwood. Yeah, that was that was five yeah. million pound alpha. That's yeah, pretty badass. <laughs> Video, two thousand views. I thought that was going to be like YouTube gold, and yeah. it just no like, one cares about I this. I know. Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember it forever. Yeah, so. and that that is at the end yeah. of the day what yeah. really matters. Yeah. Five car garage. Oh man, how much money have I got? To you you have unlimited unlimited value. The only caveat is it sort of has to fit into your life. Okay. So my number one car, uh, McLaren F1, for me, that actually would be that one F40, but as you've got one F40, we'll just go with a McLaren F1. Road car or GTR? No, i the road car. car. I want the road car because I want to drive it on the or road. Or an LM? No, just the original one. Yep. Just colour. Uh, I wouldn't really mind on colour, just I want a nice one. But you know, Fair enough. <laughs> a nice so, F1. Yeah, tick. They're just all, I think it's everything, I just remember when that car launched, I was at university at the time and it was everything from the, you know the, the the luggage that they made that fitted in the side pods, the gold lined engine bay, the lightest stereo in the world at the time. All those things that are now you know you look back on them and and I know they, it's so cool. That car just wants to kill you all the time, but I'd love it. So McLaren, I bet it doesn't. Yeah, I bet on modern tires it doesn't. So that that would be my historic keep forever a legend legend car, supercar. I would have a McLaren six hundred LT. Yeah, uh, cool. Spider daily kind of so i've got mrs petroped and me so you're on two so i would have probably either a range rover sport svr or a stelvio quadrifoglio i think for my four by four kind of car and that's your sort of like luggage stuff around Lug- whatever, lugging yeah. stuff around long trips that kind of thing so a, a kind of those two SUVs. and you like the sv not uh, the sport svr SUV, or, like height yes yeah yeah so i've had a couple i had a different uh, range rover sport autobiography and we had a, a discovery and loved them to bits but mm. you know that kind of thing would be quite cool cool two more for me on a daily basis i would have i'd probably have, be really boring and have an rs4 i think yeah or a, i'd have a julia quadrifoglio if they did a four-wheel drive one but yeah. okay an rs4 and rs6 one of those two i think so yeah. the uber saloon it, it takes a lot just does yeah. a lot doesn't it and then the final car would be my fun car and that would either be a Caterham, probably a 420R, or an original Defender. Very different cars. Yes, obviously not to do the same thing. So would you be off-roading the Yeah, Defender? well, I just think they look cool. They drive horrible, don't get me wrong. I'm yeah, yeah. so disappointed. I drove one for the first time this year, and I lusted that. They're awful. I know there's going to be Defender and Series fans yeah, out there. They can there, do one. They, they do look drive amazing, awful. but they're just horrific to drive. But they just look cool. like a Lara Croft one. They're, they're so cool. Yeah. Oh, they're so cool. So which one of those would you have? Well, yeah, I'd probably end up with a, the Caterham. And then the only thing that would be missing in there, I'd really love a classic, like a, an original Cooper S, or, but it's just the practicality of finding a decent... It's an original Mini Cooper S. Right. Yeah. Or... I'd really like a Mark One Ford Fiesta 1300 Supersport, not the XR2, because that was the car I wanted when I was yeah. when I was a fir- my first car was a 1300 gear. 
I couldn't afford the Super yeah. Sport. And it's a bit like now I'd love to buy a Rally Burner because I didn't have either a Grifter yeah. when I was a kid. Like, I want a, a original BMW. So, uh, but if I was to have a classic, then I know that's six. But Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. I think we've yeah. pretty much said five and then you just yeah. tacked one at the end. What are yours, though? You've obviously <sighs> got one of them. <laughs> Mine changes all the time. It just it, honestly, it changes all the time. F one F one GTR, yeah, is is in there. Probably my daily would be like an, probably an RS four at the moment, yeah. not a six because it's too big in London. They're a bit bigger, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, as like a older car, I'd probably have maybe something like a Singer. I'm slightly Ooh, going off those at the nice. moment. Yeah, to get my Porsche kicks in. Oh, I don't know. Not sure about the rest. I'd have some sort of race car. I'd have a 997 RSR. Oh. And I would go and do classic Le Mans next year in it. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to have a race car. It'd be very cool, actually. Mm. Would be. Yeah. And if it's unlimited budget, whatever, someone else is paying to run it. So. <laughs> That's the problem, though, isn't it? Although, I, I, so, yeah, it's like when you think, oh, I'm winning the lottery, what cars would I have? I, my five car garage changes all the time, but. Um, it's normally got an SUV, some yeah. kind of hot Audi and a McLaren F1 in it. The other two are kind of changeable. <laughs> yeah, it does. It changes each day of the week. Right. Okay. If if you could only drive one car for the rest of your life and you get like a, a banger to carry the family around in or whatever, what would it be? Oh, mate, that's a really good one. For me, it's some sort of 911. And I don't know whether it's an old one or a new one. Probably a modified one. Yeah. Um, oh man, that's such a good question. You'd want something practical but quick, so you can kind of do lots of things in it. Nine Eleven is quite a good. A Nine Eleven Turbo, maybe Turbo S. Would that take your the noise component for you? Yeah, yeah. You put something that a tasty exhaust on it. Or something. Uh, it's still one of those. <laughs> one of those. I've only driven one once and it did. It was again one of those first supercars I drove on the road and it's just like, what a thing. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. And, you know, I did, I'd not done 911, you know, mm. I'd not driven one until I started YouTube and didn't get it at all. And then I've driven quite a few now and they are very, very special things. It's just very good. So they are very good. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Or or then I might be might throw a curveball in it and say something like a, yeah, something like a, a Stelvio Quadrifoglio. That Stelvio Have you driven yeah. one? Uh, I haven't driven one. Such been in one, but oh, not driven such one. a good car. Probably be in the garage a lot, but it's a very good car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another question. What is to you the most undervalued car at the moment that you can sort of buy? Like, the, or the, the car with the most value? Slightly tricky question. In terms of what it what it delivers, yeah, like what it delivers for the amount it costs, or something that you think is just going to be worth a ton in two years five years time that you can buy now or something I, well low end of the budget i've mentioned suzuki swift because hmm. I, I i was asked to drive suzuki i thought why am i driving a suzuki yeah. and it was a really really good little car um so i think some of these really cheaper low end hatches especially if you're a young driver and you've only just passed your test and insurance yeah. is so horrific these days and you're looking for something you know that's going to be fun to drive I think something like that is is the often overlooked. It's the for me the best way to answer this question is the badge will often mean that people overlook the car. So yeah. something like an i thirty Hyundai i thirty N, the the fastback version of that is a superb car, mm. but it's a Hyundai or Hyundai. That's another thing. 
the pronunciation of you'll get lots of hate if you say that wrong. But I think it's Hyundai. Brilliant car, overlooked by lots of people because it's not a VW or yeah. a Audi or a BMW. Yeah, massively. But to drive, fantastic little thing. In terms of cars that I think in the future is going to be worth good money, well, I hope my Mini maybe one day. <laughs> we'll see. Any car I currently own. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's a black Mini with red stripes. I think that's going to be worth lots and lots of money. I, I guess any any of the limited edition stuff. You know, I guess the, I bet the new um, GT4 Porsche looks and, and the new Spider Porsche. They're going to be they're going to be sought after for ages. They're going to be great. It's, it's obviously going to be a great a car. Coming as well. Very jealous. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And the final one. What is the most interesting car to you? Right now, like, what would you find yourself like googling at night or watching YouTube videos or uh, Porsche Taken? Porsche Taken, yeah. Any yeah. particular reason? Just because it's um, uh, well, I haven't driven it. I saw it at Goodwood, just going up the hill. I've obviously watched a few of the videos because the first drives were only last week. Yeah, I think electric, whether we whether we like it or not, as petrol heads, is is an inevitability, and 100%. we all have to kind of get our heads around it. And I've driven lots of electric cars, and and they are. They're very different to drive, but but impressive. Uh, the other, if you ever want YouTube gold, by the way, and lots of views, just put in a video title anything negative about Tesla, right? and you'll get. It, <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah. like woo! It's like the view generator. <laughs> it's great. So Tesla's performance-wise, uh, they're amazing things. Model S, Model X. I've not driven the Model Three yet, but you, you can't you can't say they're not amazing to drive. But I've been waiting for a, Main, a, a the mainstream manufacturer. manufacturer to really get an electric car. Right, I think I-Pace, Jaguar I-Pace, in terms of the way it's built and, and stuff, is good. I think the range probably isn't isn't as good as it should be. But I just think Taycan's going to be amazing. I, I, I've not driven it, so I don't know. But I just, I think, for me, that's a, that's a really exciting It's car. really interesting. I, and I... um, and mi- E-Mini. So the mm. electric Mini, it doesn't have a mega range, but they've got 60,000 registered uh, people registered really? in that car. 60,000. That is interesting. And they're building that on the same line as they build all the other mini. So it's not a separate production yeah. facility. And I just and it's twenty four grand or something. You can get it on PCP at three less than three hundred pounds a month. That is, is that's really good. I was reading in I read I think it was reading Autocar or something this week, and they're saying the next mini is going to be probably be smaller than the current mini. Yeah, oh. they have got they have been on you know sort of you know they've been burger and chips for the last <laughs> couple of years, but. But I just think I think those those two cars, and then the the really interesting one for me would be things like hydrogen fuel cells and and, yeah. and these graphene batteries and all the kind of. There's lots of exciting stuff in electric happening. But yeah, Taycan, I really want to drive that car. So I will be I will be emailing Porsche. Yeah, um, if you're listening, Porsche, I'd like to. There's a good clip. Yeah. I came across it on Twitter of someone drifting one up an Alpine road. Really, it's just like one corner. But you're like, that's a hilarious electric car also going sideways. Sounds cool as well. Does it? Uh, no, a tick over. It sounds like a V8. I don't know whether James. I've watched JWW's <laughs> video, and you, when it starts, it make because they've all got to augment this sound now yeah. up to is it eighteen miles an hour or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of sounds like it's got an engine, and then it goes. My the... only problem, I, I love the I, I like the idea of electric cars, and yeah. I think it's we need to solve a lot of issues, and they yeah. are potentially one of the solutions. Yeah, but I watched the. Is it the v- Peugeot? Was it, is it a Peugeot? Or is it VW? I'm like, they're the one that's set the record. Oh, the IDR, there. VW the IDR. IDR. Yeah, yeah. Go around the Nurburgring. Yeah. And they cut to people like eating crisps and stuff because there was no good noises halfway around that. <laughs> like it's, 
It's not a fun video to watch. I don't know why. No. I think they filmed it a bit funny because you couldn't see the steering wheel. Yeah. Which removes 90% of your... If there's no noise yeah. and you can't see the steering wheel yeah. and the car doesn't look like it's, it's sliding. Like sped like, up. It's yeah. just like speeding up on a yeah. slow-mo. But no, it's interesting. I think loads of people have been slamming the Taycan for its price and it is very expensive. But it's also the only thing like that. But you, you have a car that you don't need to service, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got no moving parts, really. Yeah. So, how are they going to... How are oh, dealers sure going to deal with that? Way. I'm sure they'll find some way. Um, they charge you for your software upgrades. Yeah, but you, you know, you, you're going to... The cost of ownership, you're going to take a whole bunch of things out of the cost of ownership that you would normally have with a, yeah. with a, a combustion engine car, but... That, or you that, could buy a Ferrari, seven years free maintenance. You could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just sell it, make sure you've got a few years left on it before yeah. you sell it. But I think that electric thing is when it becomes affordable to most. So I mentioned with the S4, my wife and I looked at buying an electric mm. car when we bought that. But the only ones we liked were just too much money for us. Yeah. You know, they were, you know, in that kind of I-Pace is what, 70, 75 yeah. grand, something like that. E-Tron's the same. They don't have the range that we need. Yes, you can get a Model 3, which is actually a super impressive car for, what, 40 grand, I think. Yeah. So they are, they've bought that. that it's getting there. It's and you coming get down. Three, 350 miles of range with that and, and so on. But yeah, I think when they start to become a bit more affordable. Yeah, um, and the infrastructure. Like for me, where I live, I can't plug one in at home. Yeah. And if I had somewhere with a garage, I, I would really start, I think, like in the next couple of years, yeah. that's when a lot more people will probably be buying them it's like their yeah. daily car because yeah. you can drive a long way on them people are like oh it's only got 250 miles range it's like how often do you drive 250 miles not, not often. <laughs> no not and the mate of mine has, had a, has a k and he's now got his e-golf he's mm. got a 35 mile drive to work each each way yeah he wakes up in the morning with 150 miles or whatever and yeah. that's it that's, that's enough range yeah you know, every morning he's got a full car so yeah and never uh, has to go to a petrol exactly. station so yeah evs a whole a whole big thing and and you have as a youtube you have to be really careful doing ev stuff because you know there's a big very vocal ev community out there there so. is and they are <laughs> devout vicious. devout vicious like your your bmw fans that don't like the new grill the new grill is weird or in fact it's front wheel drive or whatever yeah. there are tesla people that are devout devout yeah, tesla yeah, fans that yeah. have had it burned into their skin <laughs> but uh, just in case anyone's going to watch any of my ev i do like evs yeah, it's just another it's another thing like, I, I don't hate I try not to hate on many things unless yeah. I have a specific reason yeah. like whatever that is yeah. but most stuff life's if, too if they're short, making man. it fun like, life's exactly too life's short. too short this yeah. other stuff still exists yeah. you know, you if you've got it. a real stress about it just chill out man just go and have a, go have a drink <laughs> it's really not worth it's really not worth having a go as in the comments for something as simple as and the, that is one really great thing about podcasts is there is no comment section oh, fantastic great and also really bad because <laughs> it means getting feedback is pretty difficult but anyway well thanks very much for coming right. on it's been an absolute it's pleasure. Been a pleasure it's been yeah. great to finally meet you yeah i know yeah it was one of these um excellent we now know each other. yeah <laughs> and people can find you anyone that's made it to the end of i don't know how long this is it's i don't a, know amount of time yeah just search um, petrol pad you'll petrol find pad you'll find you yeah, yeah. Um, sweet Sam been a pleasure mate thank, thank you very, you very much. much indeed cheers planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands plus 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.